1: Illumination Nation Uncensored, Rick Flair couldn't make it this week, so we've decided to scour Rick's podcast archive to find you some hidden gems, like this one, where Rick regales Cody Rhodes with his Harley race impression. Were you guys as performers privy
2: to what the vote was? Like, did you know ahead of time, or is that something that comes out years later? No, uh, this- no, no. I knew
3: what The Crockett called me and told me. But I, well, first of all, I don't think Dusty or myself knew they were having a vote. What happened was Eddie had so much power. Fritz had so much power. Giggle had a little bit of power. Sam had a ton of power. Barnett had a ton of power. Crockett was pushing for me. Eddie, right. of course, pushing. And I think because Crockett was getting so big, I mean, all of a sudden, it wasn't just Mid-Atlantic. I mean, he was starting to make moves, right? That Crockett pushed them. Because they, all those guys resented Jimmy Crockett. I mean, he wasn't a wrestler. They, they, yeah. they liked his dad, but... You know, Eddie was a former wrestler. Guy, former wrestler Barnett. I'm not sure how he got in to begin with, but <laughs> The Funks, Harley Race. You know what I mean? I, you know, it's like yeah. when, it's like when uh, when when Dusty beat Harley, he beat him in Tampa, right? I mean, oh, I, Bayfront I, front, Bayfront Center, man. Yeah, I mean, that depends, it should have hurt. been it should have been in a scenario where we both were had some steam, we would have torn it down. I mean, you know, but we're sitting there and they, people are looking at us like, hey. I guess I know Dusty Rhodes. I definitely don't know Ric Flair. You know what yeah. I mean? Well it's funny you mentioned that him winning it in
4: uh at the Bayfront with Harley, because I'm just now thinking about you at Dark Eight eighty three and it's it's it, uh I believe it's the exact same uh it's the same finish. It's a crossbody from the top. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. They finished
3: Harley, man. Yeah. Uh, that one, that had Harley's number. The old cross probably. From the <laughs> yeah. That had him. Well, let me tell you, it, it didn't have Harley's number. It, it had his blessing. <laughs> yeah, that worked. Because he, he, he could have changed it at any point in time. That, that worked, my, my, I told you my favorite Harley Race story, right? Uh, you've told me a few Harley Race stories on the bus, and every every one of them I was. I, told, I, told, to. you about, I told you about the Hunter one and the Kurt Heading one. Mm-hmm. Well, I knew we'll, you were talking we'll, about Harley because you always you always simulated you. Were, you were yeah, smoking looking we'll <laughs> your Yeah. Well, here I, I'll, for the fans that haven't heard this, this is the first time that Hunter, who um, came to WCW, Tara All of right? Yeah. Walked in the locker room and Harley at that time was managing Vader. So and uh, and Hunter uh, Paul Hunter had been in the gym business, and I met him at a. Gold gym convention because I had the 10 gold gyms. I brought the tape back and bingo the hire. So we're in the locker room. And this kind of, this obviously is not real, but I like, I like to use these voices. Okay. I go, uh, Harley, I want you to meet a new
1: guy, uh, Paul Levesque, just coming into business. How do you do, Mr. Race? How you doing, kid? I'm good. Who trained you? Killer Kowalski. He's the shits. Dom. <laughs>
3: um, poor honor. I know. <laughs> what are you going to say? Honor. What are you going to say? And then How the current anyone. Kurt Anning into Kansas City, right? Just a new kid starting many the outfits down there working because Larry and them, right? He goes,
1: hey, Mr. Reese, what's the finish tonight? What's your finish, kid? Drop it off a top rope.
3: I'll move.
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: Are you kidding me? was was the it best of me. all time. Oh. Uh, he, he, uh, he was so intimidating. I was afraid of Harley. Oh, geez. You know, You know, Dusty, he, um, he like, you know this, obviously,
4: Rick, but obviously dad modeled a good deal of his career after Muhammad Ali. Of course. It was like Gordon Stoli kind of yep. standing in as, as, as Howard Costell. He always told me growing up, he, was, he, he referred to Harley Race as the George Foreman. Yeah, that was his that was his George Foreman. Yeah, I I, I always loved the good analogy. Parallel. Yeah, he yeah, that was his uh, that was his George Foreman. Yeah, he was the shooter.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's <laughs> funny you said that because uh, I thought it was phenomenal, and I'm sure Conrad and I must have talked about a hundred times for uh, the NBA finals to going be going on as strong and as in the ratings that they got. For that Friday to completely shut down, and oh, yeah. everything for two days was committed to Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Spoke violence oh. for who this guy was. I mean, it's really okay. unbelievable. And then the minute the funeral was over, back to basketball. Right. But for that, but yeah, for that forty-eight hours, man, it was Muhammad Ali. I mean, they gave him. I mean, the guy was it. I mean, but the, your your dad was the Muhammad Ali, in terms of, I mean. All the stuff—the wine and dine, the pork and beans—I mean, oh, this, I don't even whole... know where he got all that shit. But it was phenomenal. Yeah, the, well, it's like it was—you it was... only passed through one time. Kid went out, past by in a Cadillac and a Cadillac. <laughs> <laughs> was, uh... While Laura <laughs> draw back, laughing at a joke, and I'm out front, cooking and smoking. <laughs> <laughs> he um, he was inspired
4: by by it, and he made it. He, he took it to, to pro wrestling, especially with like with Gordon. And you look at those, those Gordon and Dusty interviews from Championship Wrestling from Florida. I, I found one the other day uh, that it's likely my favorite Dusty promo, uh, Dusty interview of all time. And it's, it's one that very few people um, have ever seen. It's, a, it's about Eric Red and Sonny King and uh, Pac Song. It's talking about a bounty. Uh, that Harley race had, and it's just a, just amazing. But it's it, I can see it, especially yeah. after look digging into you know Ali here and there. Man, I, I can see it. It's it's fun to see like because that's pro wrestling. I always like that where you can take something from
3: the mainstream and you can mold it to your audience. You know. Oh yeah. Well, your dad. You know, the, I, I tell you another guy that uh, your dad uh, um, got a little bit from with Thunderbolt Patterson your dad oh, before, he, he, your dad was the white thunderbolt that time thunderbolt could talk man yeah yeah he, he, uh, he was average in a ring but he could he could talk but your dad took a thunderbolt rap and took it to a whole new level i mean that thing that your dad the hard times promo that he made with about me and that i mean that promo sorry. may be one of the greatest promos of all time absolutely hard times
2: well, we can't let him go. We can't let you go, sir, without talking about Tully Blanchard, your most famous feud, the cage match oh, that we yeah. still talk about, the I Quit match. Baby Doll was involved. George South has jokingly said that Baby Doll threw a stiffer punch than most of the boys. Uh, you know, you guys went around the loop with Tully saying he never said I Quit. He just said yes, yes, yes. Just iconic stuff that is kind of a, an anniversary date of sorts. Carry us through what that match meant to your career and just your memories of that whole angle and feud you had with Tully. Well,
6: it, well, it's, first of all, it's just amazing. Uh, the fact that the, the, that match, you know, that centerpiece match has been, you know, talked about and, you know, for so many years after the fact, I mean, I had no idea when we were in the, in the midst of doing it, it was going to have that kind of impact in, you know, the history of wrestling. But, uh, yeah, Tony was, you know, Tony and I met when I was working for his dad, Joe, and when I had only been in the business six months. And, you know, he told me straight up his, you know, he, he wanted to be the best heel in the business one day. That was his goal. And when I met him a couple of years later, when I got a chance to come work for Jimmy and and I was working on top and I had some seasoning and was in a different place than when I met him the first time, He was a, he was a great match for me because he was hungry. And he, and he had this intensity in the ring as a heel like I had the intensity in the ring as a baby face. So when you put us in the ring together, it was, uh, I mean, it was quite a contest of, uh, it, you know, just the, the, the pace and and everything that Kelly was able to maintain and keep. Uh, he only had like one gear and it was like wide open. So uh, it, it, it was a great experience. Uh, you know, and it was something that, you know, to this day, like I said, I mean, people talk to me about three things. They talk to me about Rick. They talk to me about the accurate match with Tully and the best of seven series with Nikita. And, you know, and, and my whole in-ring career, you know, spanned six, you know, six years. And, and wow. the, the things that I get to reminisce with people about, uh, Jim Ross was telling me that too. He said, gosh, I, I didn't realize it was just six years, but it was, you know, I started in 1980 and 1986 uh, you know had that career ending deal and I packed a lot in in a short period of time
3: You did you know, I didn't realize. I would have thought it was more like ten years myself. But I'm, I'm glad you uh, Brought that to my attention. Yeah, you did my guy well, you know what you were that good and you're in the right position and you pulled it off and that's that's what matters and God only knows what would have been on the other side if not for this uh, the, the unfortunate accident, but you're in a
6: good well. Place the now. truth of the matter is, yeah, I am, and I, you know, I miss you guys. I miss, I miss my friends. I miss being able to, of course, go out there and perform in front of the fans and do the things that I love to do. But what I've been able to have in way of a family life and relationship with my kids, honestly, I wouldn't trade for a hundred world championships. Because I mean, you got to, you know, you talk about what Michael Hayes and these different guys have to do their commitment to the, to the industry to, to make the product what it is, and you've got to give it your all. I mean, we gave it everything we had, and you don't have enough of you left to do hardly anything else. So I'm thankful for what I have been able to do rather than, you know, what I missed out on.
1: Also at the end there, we hear Magnum TA talk about working with Tully Blanchard. Nowadays, it's hard enough to get Bruce Pritchard to do his own podcast, let alone someone else's. But in 2015, Bruce sat down with Rick and talked all about the rise of Triple H.
3: I don't think a lot of people are as aware of uh, just how how entrenched Stephanie and Hunter are right now. I mean, it's to the point where Hunter and Stephanie, Hunter for sure, Stephanie at least one day, Monday, Tuesday, on the road, uh, and then down uh, to Orlando for Tough Enough, and then... Uh, Hunter is an example, every third week, NXT taping, um, and uh, like this week, uh, they've got NXT sold out on Saturday, they've got SummerSlam sold out on Sunday, they have um, Raw sold out on Monday, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, and then they're going to go to Providence for SmackDown, um, and then they go back down. Hunter goes back down for NXT taping in two weeks. And believe it or not, because I talk to Hunter all the time, when he's not on the road, and this is a guy that he's got to have that two hour workout every day, he's miserable. He's on business because he works out at 11 o'clock at night now. Because he's yeah. in the office, and so is Stephanie. You know, because he, you know, this guy has always pushed Steph in that direction, but I, he's, making sure, um, he's making sure that Hunter's got a grasp of it too, which you, I, I mean, I keep using that, Stephen, but I, it's, that's my take on it, anyway.
6: Well, okay. here, here's the thing that I, I get into when, when I do a lot of these interviews and things, because,
4: yeah, I got I have no dog in the fight. I'm not there, and I love to be
7: there. Yeah, but that's not why I'm saying this either. When I hear the, the stuff about, well, Hunter's only there because he married into it. Well, long
6: before Hunter—that's a bullshit story. That, yes. I, I long that. before Hunter and Stephanie were Hunter and Stephanie, Paul LeBeck was one of the first guys to show up at the building. He was sitting in on production meetings. He was offering up ideas. He has been a student
7: of the business from day one. If he had never
4: even crossed paths with Stephanie in any any way, shape, or form, he would be deserving of the spot that he is in now because he worked his ass off. To get there,
6: and he's good. Okay, I mean, people people want to say what they what they will, but these are people that have never met him, that have never been around him and watched him work from the inside. Okay, from the outside looking
4: looking in at him, you go, oh well, God, you know, it's easy for him. He's married to the boss's daughter. They brought yeah.
3: around, and that that's that's a bullshit statement too. I it is I hear that too. It pisses me off when people say that because. They don't get this guy's work ethic, man, Jesus. No. And he was doing it long before. Okay? That that's the part that you sit there
4: and look yeah. at. And he, he always was one of those guys that would sit back quietly, but he would always offer suggestions. He was always out there plugging and he was always trying to do something
6: more. He didn't have to show up over and go to the production meetings. He asked if he could. He didn't have to watch other guys' matches and offer them help. He did it because he loved it, and he still does it. And looking, I just look at NXT and the developmental system. And when we started that
7: in the studio in the warehouse with my brother training guys, and to where it is now is amazing because it you know it is the
4: future. It's the only future that we've got right now. But here's a guy that worked his ass off as a talent in the ring. And his work to learn the
6: business and has got his hands dirty doing it. And for people to sit back that have never never met him, never met you, never met me, and judge
7: based on what they perceive reality to be
3: is bullshit. Yeah, you know you know what the moral of the story is, Bruce? What's that? Well, number one, he was working for a Gold's gym in New Hampshire. You knew that, right? Yep. And number two, I owned 11 Gold Gyms, if you remember correctly, right? Yep. And number three, he happened to be at the Sheridan in Columbus, Georgia, one night when I was performing. Thank God I had the balloon on, hence Triple H. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice.
1: <laughs>
3: the old balloon trick got him again. <laughs> Always. Always.
1: When the moment for intimacy arrives, you need to be ready, Roman ready. Whether you've been in a relationship for years or are just getting started, having the confidence that comes from preparation means you're free to enjoy the moment when the moment comes. Even though you are far from ordinary, the truth is that ED is really common. In fact, 52% of guys aged 40 to 70 experience some form of erectile dysfunction. Go to GetRoman.com flare right now, to speak to a U.S. licensed healthcare professional about erectile dysfunction and get fifteen dollars off your first month of treatment. ED is more common than most people think. In fact,
3: fifty-two percent of men—can you imagine that? Between the ages of forty and seventy, almost seventy-three will experience some form of ED. The benefits of ED treatment can help you reconnect your Parker and rediscover the joy of sex. Roman Ready is confidence personified. It is a self-assurance that comes from knowing you've prepared yourself for the moment when
1: intimacy arrives. That's telling of nature. Roman system is completely confidential and totally discreet. No big logos on labels or packages. With Roman, you get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for erectile dysfunction. All from the comfort and privacy of your home. Go to getroman.com slash flare today. And if you're prescribed, get 15 bucks off your first month of ED treatment. Make sure you're ready to have confidence and control this fall. Roman ready. Woo! you
0: know, I don't think a lot of people really understand the importance and, you know, his knowledge and what he meant to the WWF and then later the WWE. So before we get there, go ahead and give everybody your perspective on what Bruce's contribution to the business really was.
3: Well, God, it's, you know, to me, Bruce is one of the geniuses of the business, uh, of the industry. I mean, he's right there with my estimation with Michael Hayes and Pat Patterson and uh, you know Dusty and of course Vince and Stephanie and Hunter, but I mean, um, you know he was there when the Undertaker thing came together. I mean he's been there f- through so many um, piv- pivotal pivotal positions positions for the company that um, yeah I just think is, is 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 knowledge of the business and the fact that he is a great entertainer himself. I mean, the brother love thing I thought was one of the best of all time. And he uh, he pulled it off. I'm not even sure why it's not there. And I'm not sure why it's not with WWE right now. But I, I do understand that he's had health issues with his wife and he's at home now. And probably his schedule up there, which is very hectic, as you know. Um, it would be a lot for Bruce. But it's not for not lack of uh, credentials or credibility. He's a genius.
0: Yeah, and I'm looking forward to getting some of his insight on, you know, some old fun stories. But really, you know, since we are WrestleMania season and it kind of seems like that's what everybody's talking about, I want to hear his perspective on, you know, if he was still there booking, what he would do for WrestleMania.
3: Yeah, that'd be great. I think that's a great question. I think um, the problem is, is that no matter what he, what he said, he wouldn't have final say. <laughs> 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 I just asked Michael Hayes a question today. I said, you're absurd asking me this now? We haven't got to Sunday yet.
0: (laughs) All right, so, Rick, now Bruce is with us. Bruce, we were just kind of talking a little bit before about, you know, WrestleMania season coming up this weekend. We've got Fastlane. You were there for a long time. And if you were there now, given kind of the circumstances they have with injuries and all of that, how would you try to salvage WrestleMania from what the original plans are? It seems like none of that is possible thanks to all the injuries. What would, what would Bruce do? Well, you know, again, it is
7: difficult because of all the injuries. And it's also difficult because you can have the greatest ideas in the entire world. If the boss doesn't anoint it, then it's not something he's going to endorse. It's never going to fly anyway. Right. If I had carte blanche, okay, and... Based on what they have right now, you know you're going towards Hunter and you're going towards Roman Reigns. I mean that's that's the direction that it appears to be going in. They built to it, so to try and change that now is kind of a mute point. Right. But when you're looking at opponents for Undertaker, you're looking at opponents for Brock Lesnar. Those are your money guys. Right. And what are you going to do with them? And it just brings it's a lot of conjecture. You can fantasy book all you want. Put Undertaker and Goldberg. Right. Um, is that an attractive match? Sure. Never happened. Possibly. But is Goldberg well, willing to come in and do what, do business and, and come in and want to do that? Who knows?
3: Well, right. let me ask you a question. What makes you think that Reigns is walking out of there? You
7: know, I, because of the way that they built it so far. Uh-huh. And with where they're going and the way they built everything, I'm just looking at. I don't have that insider's view. I'm looking at it strictly from a fan, and looking at it yeah. strictly what they put on TV. Right. I see that they it, it appears that they're pushing. That they're pushing reins to that point.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think so too. But I, I just never know because, um, you know, I, I think that you know every time they need something big, they, you know, like Brock's on Sports Center. I mean, it's hard to get other guys on Sports Center. Right. I, I never, I never walk away without the possibility that uh, that Brock might be in the main event there too. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm like you, but I think, yeah, clearly they have pushed Roman really be. hard.
7: <laughs> you know, I mean, he really, really and truly he should be. Yeah.
0: So well, if seem- you were to go in with that line of thinking, where it was Roman and it was Triple H and maybe Undertaker Goldberg, what would you have in mind for a guy like Brock Lesnar? But would I have in mind? Or yeah. what do they? I think it's
7: hard because of the way they book certain guys. Kevin Owens. If you had brought Kevin Owens in, and you had built him the right way, right? Man, I would have bought a Brock Kevin Owens match. Now, I please forget about it, right? Because I think Brock would just kill him. A, a guy like Alberto Del Rio, personally, I think that would be a great match. Brock and Alberto Del Rio. If you mm-hmm. told Del Rio's backstory, an MMA fighter. Yeah. a shoot fighter, he's got a great history. Looks great. He looks the part, and he could deliver. I think he could deliver a great match with Brock.
3: Uh, now, first of all, I, I'm a big fan of Del Reels and I, he and I have become good friends. I did not know he had a background in MMA.
0: Yes. Yeah, he actually fought in Pride in Japan, Rick, years ago, and oh, I didn't a know
3: that. Yeah, I yeah. mean, he, he doesn't come across as a as a tough you know, bully type kid at all. He come, that's great. That's, I didn't know he had that kind of background.
7: He really does. He's got a hell of a pedigree. He did well in that genre. He, he did well in MMA. Wow. And he was a name in in pride. He did do things. But you just take a look at him. And if you were back in the old days, you know, <laughs> you're sitting around smoking a cigar with some of the old-timers, going, ah, I can see that kid is a champion.
3: Yeah. God, I can see building an entire territory around him. Well, let me tell you, it won't be because he's not handsome enough. The kid is, I mean, he looks like well, a million
7: bucks. He is. Bucks. He's beautiful. And, and, <laughs> he is. Hey, and he He's can... a good-looking guy. The girls, would, I think, would go gravitate towards him. The guys would want to be him. And he can back it up when the bell rings.
3: Yeah, well, and, well, and he is a great performer, too. I mean, he, the kid can work, man. He, he can really go. I'm more impressed by him every time I see him. Well, now that you know that he has an MMA
7: background, I mean, you think about that. If they were to exploit that in the way that he did, Work like that. He he did use to work at what they call strong style. I guess. Right. It's believable, and he made it believable. He he's one of the few luchadors that have crossed over, and really meant something. And people can buy him and believe in him.
3: Yeah, I think though, and I, I'm being facetious right now, but every time <laughs> no. I see Lesnar throwing everybody around, I think you know, real likes. <laughs> being on the side of the being on the other side of the ring from somebody else because <laughs> I don't care how tough he was nah. Lesnar's a different different deal and I don't know how much more Dean Ambrose can take God dang. <laughs> <laughs> when he calls him out and tells him to come back and bring me more I, I mean I die and I tell him to his face Ambrose you need psychiatric help man. Who's ever writing that down, just say no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you. No. <laughs> he he threw both Ambrose and <laughs> ranged across the ring last night, ten feet in the air and was brutal. Uh, you know uh, why?
7: Because he can. That's and every the, time he does it, people in the people in the arena, people on TV sit there and go, "Wow!" Yeah,
3: that's why Del Rio should probably sit where <laughs> <And, laughs> so he
0: sits. So, Bruce, talking about WrestleMania a little bit, what do you think? Uh, what would you do with a guy like Bray Wyatt? Wow! Again, everything is just so
7: fragmented because of the injuries. Right? It's it's tough. Um, I started putting. Uh, pencil and paper to it the other day, and, and you look at that roster, it's slim pickings. And getting into WrestleMania season now, it's not like you've got a whole lot of time to bring in somebody fresh and new from NXT and get them over in time to do anything at WrestleMania. Um,
3: well, You mentioned Goldberg. Are they talking to Goldberg about wrestling? I have no idea.
7: That's, oh. that's why I say. That's completely out of from okay. a fan perspective. Yeah. Who's right. not there? Who... Could bring some interest
0: and maybe some new eyeballs. Mm-hmm. You know, do um, you think there's any chance they try to bring Sting back just one more time for the Undertaker match?
7: There could always be a chance. I, I don't know what the extent of his injuries either. He, right. can't,
3: he can't wrestle again, guys.
7: Yeah, so, I mean, that's.
3: So, and now that we take him back. To my knowledge, because we had him on the podcast, he made it pretty clear to uh, Conrad and I that he has to have surgery if he even wants to consider wrestling again. And I don't think he's had it, has he? I haven't heard that he has. I yeah, you know, have I'm, no idea.
0: I'm, I don't know. I'm not sure. And he but got- it's it's like,
7: you, you know, Rick, you just brought it back to reality. The reality is who can step into that spot and deliver and make it so that it's a money match so that people are going to want to see it and also make it a match that you can't pick them. You can't pick who that winner is. And with Goldberg, that would be one you could sit there and go, hmm, what are they going to do?
0: Do you still think there's a chance that uh, Super Cena could beat expectations and come back just for that match? Sure.
3: There's
7: always that chance. Yeah. Cena's a, a cyborg.
0: Right. <laughs> you,
7: can, you know, you can plug him in and go. And I sure, I'm sure if you were to ask John Cena whether or not he could come back, he would be back in a heartbeat.
0: Wow. Well.
7: But there's, you know, I mean, that's a tough one, man, because it's Taker, it's Texas, it's a hundred thousand people. Yeah, you know, I heard the, the rumblings of the of the big kid in, in Bray Wyatt's camp, Strowman. Yeah, I just don't think that the audience
3: would accept that.
7: Right. To me, that's a step down. That's a WrestleMania Nine Taker versus Giant Gonzalez match. Yeah. Or yeah. Taker versus. Well, in
3: all fairness to Ron, he just doesn't have the experience. It, he's, yeah, he's... I'm not. In two years. Yeah. <clears throat> Please. Yeah. No, it, it's, it, it, you know, they, hit, they brought him in on the fly, and he really has never had a chance to, to, you know, he's not put in a position where he can learn. He's always in a position of having to perform, and it's a lot, it can be overwhelming. He's big enough and strong enough to pull it off, but, you know, just not enough name recognition. And it's not
7: fair to him to put him in that position at this time.
0: Well, let's talk about that, Rick. You were you were there when WCW brought in Paul White and you know made him the Giant and put the belt on him in his first match, and that didn't happen because he was you know of his technical prowess. He wasn't Ricky Steamboat. It was because
3: he was huge. No, no, let me tell you. But here's the difference. Uh, uh, Paul White. I mean, our friend uh, Big Show uh, played Division One collegiate basketball. Right. He's more coordinated than any big guy in the business. He's unbelievable. And it, he caught on as fast as he's not Kurt Angle caught on, but he caught on so fast. And he's big and strong and agile. And to this day, he, he, the, the guys don't do it with him. I don't know why, but he can press slam. He can power slam. He can suplex off a time. He can do anything. You know, the, he, the guys just don't do it with him. and. He doesn't push the button. I mean, I I used to love doing that with him because he was so safe. But you can't compare Big Show to Ron. It's just two different guys. That- oh,
0: no, no, I'm not necessarily saying that their talent was the same. I'm just saying some of that is still the booking, is it not? And that it's the way the Giant was booked to just, you know, accentuate the positives, hide the negatives. Not to say that he wasn't just a natural, but it, there's no way that early in his career – you know, he was already at the world championship level of knowledge. He just got there because of his size, and then had to play catch-up ball, so to speak. Is that fair to say?
3: Um, yeah, I guess you know, because it was it was my recommendation that he manage someone until he learned more about you know working. Does that make sense? Yeah. But that second, was uh, Hulk wanted him to be the giant's son. You know, I mean that was I, mean, I did I didn't like that at all. And I, cause I not number one, I thought it was disrespectful to Andre. Because you know, I mean, to, to to follow that character and that 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 guy and that legend of the guy uh, was asking a lot. And number two, I think it's a lot of pressure on on the Big Show to be Andre the Giant's son. I mean, it is what it is. I see that I see the, the the issues with anybody that's a second generation in real life. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, it's taken Ashley. Ashley for the first two years, it, people were just saying she was there because. She was my daughter. Well, you know, we all know that's bullshit. She's the best performer in the women's diva division, and she's the best athlete in the company. And you know what? Guys won't argue that because she's that good an athlete. But, I mean, and how do you you measure that? Pick out free sports and have them go play it. (laughs) (laughs) No, she's just a tremendous athlete, but, but it took a long time to get over the stigma of being my daughter. You know what I mean? Right. Now she's got, got a groove and she's found herself and she's very comfortable, but she's still going to hear that stuff from people that are jealous. You know you know the business guys. that Nobody, you know, the, the saying is, if, if they're talking about you, you're doing something good, but it still hurts.
5: Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it.
3: Back in the day when the nature boy was riding high, I bought myself a limousine, hired a kid to drive me around. He had the time of his life. Now I use Uber when I need to get around. If you're looking to make some extra money, you can drive with Uber using your own car. Uber is a smartphone app that connects riders with drivers and it's totally flexible. You don't have to quit your day job to make more money because Uber lets you make extra money on your schedule. Whatever you need to make extra money, just turn on the app and
5: drive.
3: A few hours here, a few hours there, it all adds up fast. And it's really easy to get started. First, go to drivewithuber.com to sign up for free. You can do it right now on your phone. Second, answer a few basic questions about you and your car, then get approved. Third, start driving. That's all there is to it. I told you it was easy. Start enjoying the flexibility of working when you want and earning extra money on your schedule. Sign up to drive with Uber today. Go to drivewithuber.com. That's drivewithuber.com. Drivewithuber.com. Woo! It's it's, it's a lot different
7: when you take... OK, we'll take Ashley, for example, or you take Kevin, Kerry and David, mm-hmm. Von Eric, for example. Mm-hmm. These were guys that could go in and they could perform and they could do it versus a George Goulas, who was Nick Goulas's son, mm-hmm. <laughs> who was put in the main event because he was George's son. And that was the only reason that he was there.
3: Yeah, I never and, met him, but I know I know what you're talking about.
7: Yeah, but it, you know, it, it's he didn't have the talent, he, he wasn't able to do it. Uh the 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 younger Von Erich, you know, Mike and they didn't have the talent to they didn't have the talent of a Kerry and David and Kevin. Yeah. They just didn't. But they were well, put there because of their name.
3: They didn't have the size either. I mean Exactly. Uh, those three kids were genetically gifted. I mean, especially Kevin and uh Kerry, my God, you know. Um, David was built more like a basketball player but he was a good athlete and uh, and obviously a really good performer yeah right. it's funny I just um, you know I, sometimes my heart goes out to her because uh, she, she like she and Conrad have bonded because God forbid I say anything she doesn't believe a word I say so she'll ask Conrad's opinion <laughs> <laughs> am I right Conrad? <laughs>
0: no you're exactly right you know, and, and she's doing great and yeah. uh, there is a lot of you know, there's a lot of smack talk on the internet, but that exists. You know, all across with everyone. With and every, that's
7: the part that gets me. And I, I it seems like uh, I'm always sticking up for Hunter for whatever reason. I just, um, I just think he's a talented guy. But if you had put Ashley in and no one knew who the hell she was, right? They'd all be screaming about she's the second coming, the greatest thing that ever happened. Yeah. But because. Her dad's standing there with her now, and you mm-hmm. tell her that it's a flare. Well, that's the only reason she's there.
0: Right. It's just easy to...
3: Well, that's not happening that, so much yeah. anymore.
7: Yeah, it's, it's also not true when you measure apples to
0: apples. Right. Yeah. She's, she's there.
3: Yeah, and she's better than I was all day long So that, as an athlete <laughs> and a well, performer. See, here's the
0: deal. People on the Internet, when Rick says that, they get fired up. But what he means when he says that is three or four years into his career compared to her three or four years into her career She's at another level from where he was at that time. Not the 1986 Rick Flair.
3: No, no, but what I'm just saying that I. This is what I mean. Could I do a moonsault if I had started doing them 20 years or when I, you know, when I first got going? Yeah, but I mean, I, I, am not the athlete that she is. I'm, I'm admitting it.
7: That, it's a different mean it. caliber athlete, would you agree? What's that? It's a, it's a different caliber of athlete in the business that yes. i performing in the business today.
3: It is, but
7: what, you know. Back in the day. That's true in all sports. It you is. look at football
0: players back right. then and now and basketball then and now and baseball then and now. With what we know about science and nutrition and, you know, all that other everything's different.
3: Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's like Fifi. Could Fifi beat uh, Charlotte? Well, I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe on a Casper mattress. Hey, Rick, we went to the Internet this week on Twitter, and we asked for, you know, something a little different. We've had a lot of success with hashtag Ask and this week we went hashtag ask Bruce. And since we're kind of talking about nepotism and kids in the business and how all that works, we had a great question from Lenny that's aimed for you, Bruce. Were you surprised when Shane left the biz? Yes,
7: I was. I was surprised because Shane, Shane loved the business. Shane loved the company and loved every single aspect of the business. Now, we we'll give you a flip side on the personal side of Shane. Was I surprised that Shane left for the reasons that he did, which were his own personal reasons in not wanting to have a bunch of drama that he felt was unnecessary? That didn't surprise me. That part didn't surprise me. The fact that Shane would, would walk away from the business that he loved, grew up, was a part of his makeup and his identity, yeah, that that surprised me.
3: Hmm. Yeah, see, I don't know, I was as shocked as you are, Bruce, but I, I don't know what, you know, what, what preempted that or what happened? Because one day he was there and one day he was gone.
7: I, right, and the, and the only, and again, that's where I get to that point, too. The only ones that really know are, is Shane.
3: Yeah, exactly. That, that I, truly,
7: I, really knows is I Shane. Right? I mean, I, we've discussed it, yeah. but that's, you know, a personal conversation I've had with Shane, and it was not the rumor and innuendo. It's just that, rumor
3: and innuendo. Yeah.
7: That no one's ever going to really know him until you were in Shane's shoes.
3: Well, <laughs> but our friend today, and you know, and and the best way to do it is talk is Jericho. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Jericho. Chris, how are you, sir? Uh, it was a hell of, a, of an introduction, man. It isn't saying like being the, the wealthiest man in Alabama is like saying you
4: have the most teeth in Alabama.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
3: See, I, right away, said this is what we need on the show is some controversy.
5: There it is.
3: Well, <laughs> up, Nate. You told me how to do it, baby. Woo! Let's go. Come on. Here we go. Controversy. <laughs> so, Chris, <laughs> the thing I can't get over is you are able to say what you want to say. And get away with it. Crack on everybody, what's going on in the company. And you don't ever have any whiplash. I, I don't say anything because of Ashley. And I'm, consequently, my podcast is boring. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chris, light us up today, and I won't comment or say I agree, other that you get all the heat, okay? Well, I mean, it's not really heat, Rick It's just
4: that I always I tell my opinions, and I don't, um, and you'll understand that for being in this business, and not just in the rest of the business, but for being in in, in show business for twenty five years. I don't like fake people and I don't like being fake as a return so I always give my opinion exactly how I feel and sometimes people don't like it but you always know that I'll give you my uh my true true thoughts and feelings and I think in the WWE when you have a guy like Vince who obviously is surrounded by a lot of yes men because that's the nature of the beast I think he feels very um refreshed that I'm not a yes man and I'll always give my opinion that does he always agree with me no but at least I say what I feel is best or what we're trying to do in the business. And sometimes it's not popular and sometimes it is, but that's, that's how I've kind of made my way through uh, through 25 years of doing this. Um, and believe me, when I first came to WWE, people hated me because of it, but I, I can't do it any other way because I love the business too much. So I always have to feel that I have to say what I think is, is best, what needs to be done and whether it's popular or not i'll deal with it later
3: Yeah, you know i mean i think that's very cool i just uh you know i i've said from day one it's just hard my podcast is fun and i've had some great people like lawrence taylor i mean you name it i've had him on Mo- mongo had mongo on who who actually <laughs> wow. well, yeah who actually mcconrad M- speech listening to mongo talk <laughs>
0: I mean, yeah, when he talks about taking girls' scholarships, that's the funniest <laughs> thing that's ever been said uh, yeah. on the program. You know, it was great. When I was at WCW, uh,
4: for whatever reason, I'm not sure exactly because, you know, Rick was always, you were always was your crew. And it seemed like my crew always ended up at the end of the night was me. Here's a motley crew for you. Me, Raven, Kurt Henning, and Mongo. For whatever reason, it was always the four of us at the end of the night. So we ended up calling ourselves the Drunken Four Horsemen. Yeah. Because for that time of the night, it was only the four of us. And I'll tell you what, I don't have to tell you, Rick, and you've had him on the show, so I'm sure your listeners know. Bongo is one of A, A, one of the nicest guys I've ever met, one of the funnest guys to hang out with, and one of the craziest people I've ever been around as far as, you Know the proverbial take the Jack Daniels bottle and smash it over his head just to show you he could do it, yeah, exactly. He won like nothing ever happened, like yeah. what a true, uh, a true rock star in the business to be around, even though he came from football, he totally understood what it was that, that you know that we do both in the ring and, and outside the ring
3: afterwards, yeah. I mean, just and like you say, a fabulous guy and fearless, yeah, he and fearless. I could never figure yeah. out why that Scott Hall bug him like he did, but I, I guess. Well, that was, but Scott Hall could do that. He was he was great at being able to get under your skin. Yeah, you know, and I think he, he
4: kind of, uh, I think he kind of got off on that. He, he enjoyed that, you know, and he,
3: he, cause, I mean, he sure got under my skin. I'll tell you that. You know, I, uh, I, I know. I just I just so, kept waiting for Mongo to, to go off one day, but he never did. He just ate his chicken wings and drank his beer and his Jack Daniels. <laughs>
1: Also at the end there, Chris Jericho talks about how he can be brutally honest and still avoid getting heat. These next two clips are from this show, and it's about Ric Flair working with Hulk Hogan. Mr. T tweets, what's the fave match you've ever had with Hulk Hogan? And, and that's a good question, H, because the one I remember most was the retirement match in 1994. That was Halloween Havoc in October of that year.
3: Yeah. Well, that was the most fun because of Sherry, but, the, I mean, I just had fun wrestling Hulk whenever I had a chance to. But I I think probably our best match was that one in Orlando that kicked off the uh, the company and, and got enough money in the bank to start Nitro, which I didn't know about at that time. To Where, to where Shaq was there and uh, right. Sherry was with me and uh, Jimmy was with him. And then, of course, the one in the Halloween have that you were at where I was going to retire. Um, then, of course, they brought me back a month later. Um, so, uh, but with because Sherry was so damn entertaining, I she climbed on top of the cage and Jimmy grabbed her and her dress came down. And I mean, just so much chemistry all the way around. And Mr. T looking at me, going, You ain't gonna hurt me, are you? You ain't gonna hurt me, are you? I said, I'm not gonna do anything to you, man. What are you talking about? I, said, I, 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 don't, I don't know what
1: be in that cage you guys.
3: Joy <laughs> talked to me when I see him.
1: Well, I remember I, Muhammad Ali was there, too, remember?
3: Yeah, of course. Tommy Hearn, the hitman, was there.
1: And I have a picture. Now, listen yeah. to this, Nate. I have a photograph of me, you, and Muhammad Ali.
3: Yeah.
1: And I can't find it.
3: Oh, I got it here.
1: It's somewhere, but I can't find it. I would have that on top of my coffin at the funeral. Yeah. That was yeah. amazing.
3: Yeah, and it was fun. That was a great show.
1: And nobody remembers the matches. I, and I was at a, a couple of them. The one in Pittsburgh, and I forget where the other one I went to was. But you and Hogan on that house show loop when you first got to WWE, mm-hmm. and, and like I said uh, in a previous podcast, you got a very strong babyface reaction—not totally, but it was kind of a split crowd. And I'm not sure the powers that be like that.
3: Probably not. But um, yeah, I'm just I'm just basically talking about the context of the match. I loved he, he was so over. You know, yep. there's guy there was guys like. When Sean's a baby face and I was the heel, that big Ricky Mort steamboat, me against Jack and Jack me, me against uh, or like Terry against me, it took a real powerful heel in character and in work to heal on me. Terry could do it. Yep. And, and I was a full-fledged, right? There was no in-between with me and Terry. That's why I worked. And when there's no in-between, it's the best matches and the most entertaining for the crowd.
1: I really I believe, liked when Ricky Morton. When Ricky had that little oh, yeah. run with you, yeah. uh, the Carolinas not, not, loved Ricky. They went nuts.
3: Nine hour draws in one week. Wow. Yeah. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, twice on Saturday, twice on Sunday.
1: How did you feel by the second hour draw on Sunday?
3: Oh, I was, I think Arn had the car full of beer before the match was over.
1: <laughs> well. Speak. Let's go. I've been in that car and I've had that beer, so that stopped <laughs> yeah. me at all. When I, when I went
3: up there uh, and was working with Hulk, we came down in the South, man, and they weren't. They were. They were. Hulk was not. He, we, Hulk was not w- well received in the South. You know, we had we had to put. Um, you know that they 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 accepted us for what we were, and, and to them, NWA was wrestling. It wasn't a WWF or WWF at that time, and we had to put uh, soundtracks in to, uh, to bring Hulk to TV because they were well,
1: cool. Fu- funny you mentioned that because, you know, we'll talk about this a lot next week. And, and by the way, uh, when this podcast debuts on Wednesday the 19th, that is the 30-year anniversary to the day of you winning the 1992 Royal Rumble. Yeah. And speaking of using a soundtrack, uh, Hulk got booed. At the end, when he complained about Sid Vicious uh pushing him out of the ring, and you yep. got a big pop when you won the Royal Rumble and and they changed the sound around for that one. They aired it afterward, didn't they?
3: Oh, I don't know that. I, oh I, yeah, you do.
1: I know it. No, I
3: Sp- didn't I, I did I did not know that, no.
1: Yeah, they 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 sweetened the sound to make it seem like Hulk, you know, was getting cheered, but uh, but it was funny. I remember when when Hulk got pushed out by Sid and Sid said, it's every man for himself, big boy. That made sense to me. And then yeah. when Hulk grabbed Sid and helped you dump him, that was a heel move by Hulk. It, a lot of contradictory that, stuff there for Hulk's character.
3: Yeah, yeah. Who knows? That that like that's a strange time. We, uh, in in a relationship that I don't, I really am not privileged to know. A lot going on with Hulk and Vince at that uh, time. I think that TV show was coming his way with Thunder in Paradise. Right. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of reasons why WrestleMania didn't happen, but I think it all started at the Rumble. Because no, no, I didn't no. expect I, I didn't expect to win the Royal Rumble, I, but I am just happy to be there. Does, does that make sense?
1: Well, yeah, but I think you would have been disappointed had you just been another guy in the Rumble after that, having my, to I, I, a I, last.
3: I absolutely would not have been. I swear, I really? was so relieved to be away from WCW, all my friends, everybody in that ring I was a friend with, just a whole different vibe. To be in a positive, to be in a positive structure, a positive mindset is all I've ever wanted. Peace, to be in in a, and I'm sure there was some manipulating going on back, but I wasn't part of any of it. I was just there. I didn't have to argue about anything. I I just said, "Do I said Wh- whatever you want me to do, I'll do." And, and and that's basically the the way I. That's how I do. That's how I. I am a, I am at my best performing when I'm happy with what's going on, when I'm not worried about someone wanting to cut my hair or tell me to wear a earring, or where I'm going to be the next day. Does that make sense? So well, I so, think you would have made a great was,
1: gladiator, maybe better uh, than Russell yeah. Crow. Yeah,
3: yeah, No, it was just, it was just such, it was so good for me here, the year and a half I had there. It was great. No, so I would not have been disappointed because I didn't expect to win it. Now, if you, someone told me I was going to win it, I didn't win it, then it, was, I didn't know until I got to the building.
1: Well, I think we missed out when you, when you didn't become the gladiator. Uh, Somebody called my my sports show the other day and said the Steelers were going to beat the uh, Kansas City Chiefs because Ben is a gladiator. And I said, well, Russell Crowe was a gladiator, too, but he wound up dead on the Coliseum floor. <laughs> we're just uh, a few days away from the live podcast, Hot Shots, you know, in Illinois right by St. Louis the night before the Royal Rumble. That's Friday, January 28th. And, uh, Jim Heard, the guy who wanted you to be the gladiator, who wanted yes. you to cut your hair? Who wanted you to wear an earring? Isn't he from St. Louis?
3: Yes. Did he's coming to the by? He's coming to the event.
1: No, he's not.
3: He absolutely is.
1: Breaking down. is that are we supposed yes. to keep that secret or can we tell people? Could tell people. We're gonna Give shake hands. The guy who wanted you to be the gladiator will yep. be at this live show. Yep. Cause I have yep. a few questions for him. I'm sure you he Yeah, he,
3: he's come, he's coming to the show to shake hands and we're all just gonna Become friends like it never happened, and, and you know what? It's too late. I, I I have I've had worse grudges recently.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> well, yeah,
3: yeah, me too. So, yeah,
1: you know what I think you should do in honor of Jim Hurd at the the live event at O'Fallon. I,
3: I I might have I might have had to have, have trademarked the gladiator, and then had somebody else borrow that down the line.
1: That's what I think. <laughs> I think you should dress as a gladiator for the show. <laughs> Earring too? (laughs) At least get an earring. Yeah, how could it hurt? (laughs) Well,
3: you know the dinghlings are going to be there. Say it again. The dinghlings are going to be there.
1: The ding dogs, please.
3: Ding (laughs) dogs. What what about the hunchbacks? Remember the hunchbacks? You
1: want (laughs) to have the hunchbacks?
3: I know about the hunchbacks. We couldn't find anybody. We could
1: because they had hunchbacks.
3: We couldn't find anybody to dig a hole. I can't let it. I can't let it affect my focus. It's very reminiscent of
4: what we were going through in the, the last couple months of WCW. Uh, and Rick, I'm sure, can tell you how nerve wracking that was. You know, you just hear different things, and you never know. And there's certain things that uh, the people in charge can't tell you. You because know, when you're doing business deals, there's certain information that just is it, private and it can't really be out. And you know, they're waiting till deals get done and say anything. And so, I was in WCW, I just like I can't let this affect. I can only control what I do in that in that ring. that's the only thing I could control back then. and so that's kind of the same focus I have now like my area of where I work is the entering product you know I don't have I'm not in any business deals so it's important, but I can't let it you know affect what I did. I mean it's like a football team you know if you're a, if you're a kicker, you don't really need to worry about what the quarterbacks doing. you need to worry about kicking that ball, you know so I need to worry about my position and play my position as best I can. And, and hopefully, everything and work out for the best. You know, it's, it's still a great product that has nowhere near the brand power that WWE has, uh, Monday Night Raw especially. But um, that's, you know, Vance is the man for a reason. He's not, the, he didn't win all these awards because he's not good at what he does. So um, we can't even worry about that. You just got to keep continuing and doing, and doing what they do tonight. And what they've done, the changes they've made, since I've been there, and I'm not saying that all because of me, but um, the changes that been there, like the in-ring product right now, is really strong, and it's a good, it's a, it's a really good show. doesn't have the production value of, you know, WWE, but I think most shows on TV don't have the production value of WWE. You know, there's a reason the NFL jacks a lot of their ideas. There's a reason that the UFC jacks a lot of uh, the WWE ideas. They they got that promotion and production down to a science, and they are really good at that, so um, it's kind of hard to compete with that doll, you know, so, so we can only focus on what we do, you know, and that's, that's, that's what I, ask. but I will say too, the last TV was, we were there was days before all those WWE rumors came out, Heavy, right? all the library, they bought this and,
3: uh, Rick, were you there in Panama when Shane McMahon was in the room in the talent? Yeah, I was there. As a matter of fact, I had to wrestle Sting. And I argued well, about it as Rudy's thing all night long. So you're talking about the last yeah. night, correct? Yeah, I know I know you had to share it, but were you in that talent meeting that we had? Oh, yeah, because Jerry Briscoe was there too. You're yeah, talking okay. about when they Did first that... came in and up telling, telling everybody what we're going to do, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that sure was, yeah.
4: I, I thought that was going to happen again at the last CNA cuz All the WWE rumors came out a the, 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 the couple days before we went down there. And, and uh, we were having another talent meeting, and I was like, and I was, I'm the only one there that was at WCW in that talent meeting. Right. Uh, yeah. Shaming and walks in here again. Yeah. <laughs> <Shut up. laughs> he walks in if he does it to me twice, but I couldn't be hot because it worked out really well for me last time. But it might work out really well for me again. But uh, I kind of hope DNA still does their own thing. I think having different products out there is better for the business overall, <laughs> you know. I've, I've always been a fan of wrestling, you know, regardless of what three letters come before the wrestling. So right. I hope they continue to
3: survive. And as long as they put out a good product, I, I'm all for it. You know, you know Ricky, I didn't know that you were an agent down there. And I'm not I'm not by any means. I hope, I'm hope if this doesn't sound right, we won't air it. But I'm sure that they would consider you for that same job at WWE if you ever elected to do I- that because... They can't get enough good guys, um, you know, it's a very, it's a much more taxing, uh, it's, it's an exhausting job, for the agents, you know, because of the travel and the amount of TV they produce. But um, if it, if you ever get uh, tired of TNA, and uh, um, I'm sure that uh, they would consider you in a heartbeat. Uh, I
4: sure love hearing that, you know, i I kind of heard rumors here and there once the uh, you know, word that out what I was doing. Now, I gotta be honest, I love it a lot more than I thought I was
3: because yeah. I what the, some of the well, you love the business. That's what, that's the key to it. To be successful in that in that capacity, you have to love the business, and you have to mm-hmm. be very patient. I could never be an agent.
6: It's, it's
4: difficult, you know. I have a I have a little bit of an advantage in that. One of the things with agents in WWE, <laughs> they were great at what they did. But some of them you know, like if you were a heel, you wanted on Anderson as your agent, right? Yep. If, you're, if you're a T-Man, baby babyface, Steamboat would be the guy you wanted as your agent.
3: Yeah. You know,
4: each one of the agents that they were great at what they did, I've kind of had a weird career where I kind of
6: did a little bit of everything. So there's not many scenarios that are going to come my way, mm-hmm. and I've done. So um, I've been really fortunate with my career that
4: experience has, has taught me a lot. You know. And about working with top guys and working with guys that aren't over. Because when you work with somebody that over, as you all well know, it's a little bit different than when you're working with somebody that the crowd doesn't give a shit about. So there's a lot of little things that you know my career has blessed me with that I'm able to pass on to, to some of the some of the guys there. And it's been really been really fun. And I mean, the way they're taken to me is been really a blessing and you know, a big
5: honor for me. too.
1: on the end there, Shane Helms Hurricane. Gave you a very unique perspective on the drama between Dixie Carter and Billy Corgan. By
2: now, you know that everything is crazy overseas and well, that's created some volatility in the market. We actually saw rates tick down a little bit this week. We don't know how long it'll stay that way. All the experts are predicting that there is going to be a rate hike this month in the month of March. Some are saying 25 basis points. Others are saying 50. What does that mean? It means waiting will cost you money. And by the way, I want to mention, this is still a once in a lifetime opportunity, just based on your real estate values. You see, all of a sudden your house is worth considerably more than it was just a couple of years ago. And as a result, you can use that newfound equity to change your life. We're routinely helping our podcast listeners take their 30-year loan and pay it off in half the time. And how can they afford to do that without their payments going sky high? We get rid of all their other debt. And I mean it. As a heads up, what would you do if you had no credit card debt? Just like that, it was all paid off. How much easier would life be if those car payments, they're out of here. No more car payments. That is the story that we're able to help our friends and family with at savewithconrad.com. You see, the interest you pay on your credit cards, not tax deductible, and sky high, the interest you pay on your car loans. Buddy, where is that going? What if we could restructure all of your debt, use some of this newfound equity, and at the same time, get you out of debt faster? You see, what we're talking about is reducing the time on your mortgage. Yes, we're going to get you a great rate. But if you're in a 30-year loan, think about what your life looks like 30 years from now. Man, life gets a lot easier when you're completely debt-free. And that's what we want to help you do. And by the way, you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. And oh, as a heads up, if you've been thinking, hey man, I like my house, but my kitchen's kind of outdated. What if we could get you the cash you need to turn your average kitchen into something your wife loves and it wouldn't change your monthly payment at all. Why wouldn't you do that? You see, you'd be reinvesting back in your own property. That's gonna make your house worth even more. And oh yeah, you can do it with cheaper monthly payments at savewithconrad.com. Now I know it sounds too good to be true, but I want you to go check out our reviews for yourself. See what some of our new family members are saying at conradreviews.com. You'll see there, we've got over a thousand verified reviews. Our average rating is 4.72. And if we were a restaurant with a thousand reviews and a 4.72 rating, I know where you're eating dinner and I know where you need to do your next loan. It's SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? That's SaveWithConrad.com.
1: Coming up next, we've got Sting talking about when he first met Ric Flair.
3: I'll give you the stinger. Go ahead, Conrad. Well, I don't know about that.
0: It is a great honor to speak to you, sir, and you're clearly our most requested guest. So we appreciate you taking time to speak with us today.
4: Well, oh, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, I guess you know what everybody wants to talk about is you know more about your and Rick's history, and uh, I know a lot of folks uh, wanted to talk about the Clash of the Champions and the Great American Bash and all that. But where did this all get started? Where did you guys first meet?
4: Rick and I, we met uh, well through uh, Jimmy Crockett um, in the NWA. Uh, he, he he ended up buying out uh, Cowboy Bill Watts' uh, smaller wrestling organization in, I don't know, somewhere around 1987 or somewhere around there. And so I was kind of, uh, just kind of adopted in, the, in that way. And uh, Jimmy only took a handful of the wrestlers from Cowboy Bill Watts and I, along with uh, Rick Steiner and a few others, were the only ones, and and uh, that's where
3: I first met Rick. Yeah, what what year would that have been, Conrad, when they brought up Mid South?
0: Yeah, I think Sting has it right. I think that was '87 uh, because the whole Crockett thing happened uh, with Turner in '88. So that would have that would have made sense uh, when you were one of the guys who were selected to come over. Uh, What was your impression of how Crockett was different from maybe the way Watts had run his territory?
4: Well, it it just seemed like we had hit the big time, you know. um, uh, I mean, I realized how how lucky I was, you know, at that point, you know. A lot of the guys just found themselves without a job. And we knew about uh, the NWA and we knew about Rick Flair and we knew about Dusty Rhodes and uh, the load Warriors and you know, Midnight Express. I mean, you know, we, we knew about all these guys and, and, um, looked up to them. And, and we always wanted to get in there and, and, you know, rub shoulders with them and somehow or another get to that level. So, you know, for, for me, it was, it was like I'd hit the big time, you know. I mean, I, this is it. Okay. I've arrived now and, and now I got to make the most of it.
3: And at the time. Well, you did, man. You, you. <laughs> The day you walk in that door, I looked at you and said, <laughs> I looked at Crockett and I said, there's dollar signs written all over this guy. Handsome, blonde, <laughs> painted, let's do it. <laughs> God. Yeah. I mean, what what an yeah, impression I, you made. Well,
4: yeah, I mean, well, I was given opportunity. I mean, it, it doesn't mean that I didn't work hard to get there. I, I, I did. I, I mean, I paid dues and worked hard and I was respectful to the The guys that were above me and before me, and, and, you know, kind of listened and learned instead of, you know, some, so many of them over the years. Rick, I mean, you saw it over and over and over again. Yeah. It just, you just can't keep your mouth shut and, and always want to do it their own way and, and not even know what they're really even talking about. And so for me, that's that's just the way I, I did it. And, you know, the next thing you know, you're, you're in this big, program with Ronnie Garvin and the big build up and we go to Detroit and I can't remember if it was Joe Lewis or Kobo one one of the Joe Lewis yeah Joe Lewis yeah $110,000 gate you know which was huge for the NWA then and uh, Ronnie wins the title we come back there less than 30 days later and to a $10,000 house and so they put the belt back on you and now they want to put it back they want you to have a program with I can't remember if it was Ricky Morton or somebody, but Ricky got hurt Whatever it was got hurt, so there was no opponent for you and this was when uh Duck D and and maybe you were in it as well said no you know, I want to I put you with Rick <laughs> that was that was that was where the door opened for me right there.
0: All right, Rick, let's talk about TuneIn Radio. Now, here's the thing. The TuneIn Radio app is all you need for all things audio. Now with TuneIn Premium, you can listen to every single NFL game for only $7.99 a month, and you're going to get unlimited access to 40,000
3: audiobooks and commercial-free music, all for one low price. That's TuneIn Premium. All the audio you want for $7.99 a month.
1: Woo! Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network
5: featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it.
3: Yeah, well, let me just go back to what what you said about working hard, but I know for a fact because we were married for a couple of years, you wrestled at least 30 minutes every night, seven days a week, sometimes twice That's on right. Saturday and twice on Sunday. So I know how That's hard right. you worked because <laughs> I was with you. <laughs> right. <laughs> We had the yeah. best routine, but I tell you, it ha- it couldn't have been too difficult wrestling the world's greatest athlete, right?
0: Oh,
4: man.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that trot around the
4: ring and trying to cover
3: my face. Oh, Conrad, he used to get laughing. in the ring, hit the ropes, and say, here's the world's greatest athlete. He'd have to put his hand <laughs> over his mouth to start laughing. Oh, uh, I also remember the,
4: the first time working for you, and at the first house show we did, and, you know, you, you took me through 30 minutes, and I came back blue. I about passed out, remember? And the next day, I
3: was doing step up. <laughs> <out.
4: laughs>
3: yeah. You know, it's funny, too, because, Steve, I and I'm not saying this by any way, demeaning, you weren't a guy that partied a lot. You know what I mean? I'm. You just stayed focused, and you were, you know, real family-orientated, and, you know, <laughs> this guy's just a machine. And I kept saying to myself, because I, I kid, Steve, I said, how do you just not release, man? You can't do this for you. Maybe, maybe you haven't been doing it long enough. You're going to have to find some vehicle of recreation after this, because it's a long night every night. Yeah, um,
4: uh, well, you you wore me down, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> I tried, but I mean. You, you, you ended up wearing me down, that's for sure. <laughs> every, everybody did,
3: so well the thing of it is is like the thing that's really cool and i and there's a few people i can say this about but i hadn't seen uh sting uh conrad in 10 or 11 years and i you know knew he was at tna and i'd watched him on tv but i don't even think we'd communicated i don't know if they had his number i did it one time but you know how there's a relationship with someone that is so special that i couldn't wait to get the tna but not because i was going with hulk and all that but I was gonna to get to see it. I really like Angle a lot, as you know, Steve. And I and yeah. I, and of course I love Sting and man there we were back there at the set, and he walked to the door and it was like we never lost a beat. And then yeah. and then of course they put us in the same dressing room and I drove him crazy for two years. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, that that was awesome. Yeah,
4: it was a good reunion. I was glad to have you back. I, I had so many on that. I, I don't know about you, but I had so many of the younger guys there who approached me later and said, eh, you know, I don't believe I'm all than
3: seeing you and Rick. They can. I know. Each other. Everybody thought that was so cool. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. it's funny. It's, it's very cool. I mean, it's it's so awesome to look back on your career. And I've been fortunate enough to have that with, I think, pretty much the same relationship with Steamboat that I have with you. Um but also later in life, I had it with um, uh, with uh, with Sean and Hunter. I mean, I got to wrestle them a lot before I retired. And obviously, Sean had that last night in Orlando. But um, the thing for me, it's what, what makes you a little different is you were able to walk away from it. The minute I retired, I was lost the next day. To this day, Steve, and I'm with Wendy, she'll tell you, I get up and drive my car 100 miles in the morning. And drink two cups of coffee before I go to the gym just because I, I mean, I'm i not used to it I mean I still yeah. can't I can't get it out of my blood I'm not used to this laying around I can't watch TV I mean it, unless it's LeBron James and or, or football I'm lost <laughs> so, right and so it's just funny but you've been you able you were able to walk away and find peace and and then of course how long were you off for how long did you take off after our match and at Club La Villa, the closing night, you, you and I were both saying, thank God this is over WCW. oh yeah, no, I. First of all, that was that was a pretty emotional night for me. Oh, me too.
4: I, I, I saw my life past, you know, before my eyes. And, and you know, here I am wrestling once again, Rick. And, it, it, gosh, the, the flash of all the years mm-hmm. before that um, and all the matches and all the... And then all of a sudden, it's like, what? What's going on? I mean, it's just surreal. It's like, what is happening here, you know? And uh pretty, pretty emotional night for me. And what was the first part? of <laughs> You were looking for something else there, but I just got caught up in that moment because it was, yes, I was like you, like, okay, let's let's get out of here. You know? No, no,
3: no I was saying that, you know, I, I vehemently argued with Vince. I wasn't in shape to wrestle. I, I wore a T-shirt. And I just let Bischoff <laughs> shave my head. I had a crew cut, right? I mean, I had your hair from <laughs> before. Does that make sense? Right. With the spike? Yeah, yeah. And I had a t shirt because I was so fat. I and mean, then, and you just had shoulder surgery, right? Or something like that? I don't remember now. You've been, been off with in an injury, too, but Vince insisted. No, it,
4: it, it was my elbow. That's right. Both both of my elbows, yeah. Yeah, yeah he, you have been out, too, in
3: it, but he insisted. I mean, I argued with Shane McMahon all day. I said, we, Sting and I aren't ready. Why can't we be remembered for what we were? Because this won't be anything like it tonight. <laughs> right. Because but... I said, Steve, can you press slam me? He said, no, the elbows aren't doing it. So, you know... <laughs> It was just a smidgen of what you and I brought to the business. I, and I actually was embarrassed. But at the same time, I was so happy that that place was gone. Because I. in the last five years for me, aside from when I got to work with you, which once in a while I could talk Eric into, you know, and uh, I'd say, look, I'll bet you anything we get a rating. Because, you know, cause they, they, you do know that every time they needed something, right, they put you and I together in one way, shape, or form. Because it always worked. Yeah. And it, and it, uh, was, it was yeah, never an I argument. Wasn't about who won or lost. It was just it is right. what it was. So Yeah. And you're right about that. And I do
4: remember though at least for a second I thought I remembered what gosh, my mind is going everywhere right now. Oh, what did I do? That was a question. What did I do afterward? It was about or how long was it? It was close to five years. Before you went to TNA?
1: Yeah.
4: Yeah. I mean, I I did I did you know I did I went to New Zealand, I went to Korea, I went to Australia, I went to the UK, you know, a few little trips. You know, I did some third party stuff
3: here and there, uh, but very little over about a five year period. Were you, were you wrestling over there or just doing appearances? Wrestling. Oh, cool. Okay, good. So, yeah. well, you know, once you got healed up, I mean, you were still you were still a young guy. I mean. You know, it's funny because, you you know, we've all been knocked around. I've been the luckiest of all because I don't have any injuries. I did crack C5 in my neck. I remember you remember that. And that, I know, yeah. I, I had that, I know the pain you had in your neck because I thought I was going to die. But Well, Rick, I mean,
4: you, you just, everybody knows this about you. I mean, the most durable of all, probably. I mean, plane crashes and wrestling and somehow or another, you're, you end up better than everybody. I
3: don't know how that works. No, well, somebody survived a plane crash. You know. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, working with guys like you made it easy because I'm telling you, I have. I would rather take a press slam from you, a suplex off the top rope, anything like that, than some of the stuff I had to do with Bruiser Brody and Stan Hansen. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> Please give me Sting. I don't care. You can press. We had a routine down, and you know what? People could say now they do the same thing every night. The people never stopped. Man, I mean. Bigger four, beat in your chest, turn it over, <laughs> backside. Oh, I,
4: I, I can't tell you how, how many times, you know, that the, in later years when they would put us together and you'd say, okay, you know, you keep talking about, you ready for the press plan? You ready for this? And I go, hey, man, we got to change it up. Getting, <laughs> let's see something different. You'll see. see. <laughs> And you tell me that this is a story about you know they they come here to see me flip over the top rope they come here to see you beat on your chest they come I go okay I, I forget who it was that you said you you used to watch and if you didn't see him do that flip over the top turnbuckle you you, you know you feel like you didn't get your money's worth.
3: Well, ask Conrad. He didn't. <laughs> he hated it.
0: <laughs> Ray Stevens is who you're talking about. He told me that story about Ray
4: Stevens. Yes. Yeah, the name escaped me. It was Ray Stevens. That's right.
3: Yeah, when I was a kid, if he didn't do it, man, I was so damn mad I went home and said, I may not watch wrestling again.
5: <laughs> yeah,
4: that's what you used to tell me. And I go, all right, all right, let's do it again. No. Yeah.
3: Well, I mean, how many times, think about it, if I run down, taking the flip, and steamboats chop me running down the apron, right? Then I started doing it oh, with yeah. you, and we got just as big a pop with you. <laughs> yeah, with, I, except for mine was the clothesline. Yeah, the clothesline, yeah. but it didn't matter. Dumped yeah, off to the floor. Right. And the thing about you, Steve, which really, was, that's the same thing about Steamboat. I will say that. Shawn Michaels, Hunter, the same way. A lot of guys don't like it. Steve, let me whack him, Conrad. <laughs> I mean, he had he, that chest, you know, that that perfectly carved-out chest flat on top, and he let me whack him, and that's all I needed because that was my offense. A knee drop, <laughs> falling on my face, yeah, you... and chop. <laughs>
5: right.
3: Oh, my God, you've had a lot of great lines. My favorite is, you know, uh, Conrad, like you, I swear to God, every Monday, Mongo shows up with 15000 minimum cash in his pocket. And I go, Mongo,
5: but, but by, by right. the time you went back to a lot of street joints along that road being a traveling car that I ain't getting, baby. Yeah, but so I go, Mongo.
3: What the hell you do with fifteen thousand dollars every week? <laughs> he, he, could, he he'd come in on Monday, wouldn't go home till Friday. He just stayed on the road. He said, "Kid, I got more money than I got time." Go <laughs> <Chill out. laughs>
5: yeah. Well, that was a bad. That was us laughing backstage, uh, man. I got some. There, there was more fun in that backstage in that locker room on the wrestling road than i would ever had on the football road. Cause you know that was a grind and that was serious. But man, that 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 locker room backstage, that that was what made it fun for me because the road was you were traveling carny flair. Jesus Christ, <laughs> I'm traveling with you. Yeah, the problem is you know, every man's got to get out and experience his Dante's Inferno. And let me tell you what—I've been to the night gate of hell. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what yeah. would that be? You know, places like Houma, Louisiana. Yeah. I don't care who you are, what race you are—you don't stay there after dark. You get out of that town. Places like that. Yeah. Beautiful. So uh, oh, Let's talk some uh, some Ric Flair partying
0: stories. You know, oh, Nate is the thing everybody wants to talk about on the show, and surely you've got a fun drinking story
5: or partying story with Ric oh, Flair. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh Flair. You know, he wears his panties out in the ring. He's an exhibitionist. You know that, don't you? <laughs> All right. I'm at we're at Caesar's Palace, and you know when you walk in the the round casino and the elevators. That main little walkway to the yeah. cross hey, and you're, you're at the hey, elevators hey, to go to the rooms. All right. I'm there after a pay-per-view and I'm playing blackjack at one of the tables on that, you know, that walkway to go to the elevators. And I hear, woo! <laughs> I turn around. I don't know what he'd been doing upstairs, but he was fully erect. <laughs> He's got one of his robes on. And I hear, woo! I turn around and he's flashing the whole casino. <laughs> well, did I, was I just drunk and dreaming that, Flair? Did you actually do it? Yeah, you were drunk and dreaming. I could never have done I that. guess, yeah. I had a lot of dreams about you, Flair. <laughs> and the devil, who was right on your shoulder, said, Go ahead and do it. And I did. <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, listen. We're telling Esther, I'm gonna tell about all the times you started out at Nitro and we couldn't find you for thunder.
5: <laughs> oh yeah. You know, that that time uh Charles Barkley was waiting for me in Phoenix to do a nitro show we just did a pay per view in Vegas, but I had three girls up there in the bed uh, at the, where was it, the MGM, and I called up old Dick Dillinger, told him, well, son, uh, if you had this scenario going on, would you come to Phoenix? And he went, well, I guess we'll see you next week, Mongo. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, oh, boy. listen,
3: so um, when I had the gold gyms, Conrad, I had uh, – steve come open up one of them he, didn't, he said I'd, he came into charlotte and uh so i had a limo pick him up and we went and did the signing and uh so <laughs> this is the greatest story of all time so the uh steve goes i said steve i gotta go home i'm still married you know barely but i gotta go home and mom goes well i'll just take the car for a while so i go into my gym at south park the next day at noon right to work out and the guy that owns the company who's working out the gym he says Where'd your friend go? And I said, I don't know. He's back at the hotel. He said, he's not back at the hotel. He said, and my car's not back yet. I said, what's happened? He said, it's noon. I said, you kidding? We didn't find Mongo until 6 PM that night. <laughs> <laughs> and then he checked into the hotel. Show up. You know, hey, listen, then he checked into the South Park Suites. He calls me, because he's already gone through 10 grand, and says, can I have 1,500 bucks? I said, yeah, of course yeah. you can. I went and got fifteen hundred bucks, and he just stayed in the hotel for another three days. <laughs> yeah. um, and then, and then uh, I had my big I'm Christmas home. party with three hundred people. Right, three hundred people, bankers, you know, oh. all
5: that. And Mongo comes walking this is, this is, downstairs. Yeah. This was the first Christmas party to thank all his business partners. everything in Charlotte. Too. Oh, you've been, you've been good partners. Well, I show up, I'm dressed up like bad Santa. <laughs> I got the Santa costume on. Hey, you know, I haven't shaved, so I've got three days of stubble. And I'm carrying a Jack Daniels bottle and drinking straight out of it. And smoking a cigar. Flair, have you ever seen Flair go like pale and can't utter a word? I'm walking in this party, thinks, "Oh my God, I've lost them all." By the by, by the time that night was over, every one of them's wife had sat in my lap and took a picture, of smiling, baby. Yeah. <laughs> hey.
3: He looked like Dan Aykroyd in trading places. The only thing he didn't have yes. was a hunk of salmon hanging yes, out. That's where I got the character. <laughs>
5: <laughs> God. I didn't he even know ruined <laughs> When did you go home? I don't remember. I didn't. I didn't. After that first one lost her scholarship, I was on the search. And <laughs> I finally found her, baby. I, I was just here. I was just here playing go fish with our offspring. <laughs> Boy, it's great being a dad for her. I'm glad I waited because it would have brought me down to her so bad I would have been a pussy out on the football field. Yeah, yeah mine <laughs> was hey, seven fly, years FYI. She jumps up on the bed the other day to look at me. I said, don't worry. You're going to be, be tall like daddy one day. But she said, but not as fat, right? <laughs> so it's great. The other day, uh, they're both ignoring me. And I'm, I'm in here play whining. <laughs> ah. she, you know what? She's out here safe from across the hallway yelling. You know you're great. Quit your whining. <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> your, the, your
3: daughter said that too? Yes.
5: I love it. That's awesome.
3: How old, oh, is, she, awesome. How old is she now, Steve?
5: Yeah. I'm living a good life now, baby. It's beautiful.
3: How old is she now?
5: Seven. Seven years old in Seven years. second grade. Wow. That second grade homework's getting hard too, baby. Good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, I don't
3: remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every bit of homework
5: for me was 113 years. A, that's always been your genius. You've always been able to forget the past. You know, <laughs> yeah. let just move on. <laughs> Done that already.
1: That, that match the other night, the AEW between Lance Archer and Hangman Page, was a lot of blood. And we have talked frequently about blading, which you turned into an art form, if I do say so myself. But one thing I forgot to ask you when we talked about it, What's the worst you ever bled, and and did a cut ever get out of control to where you were worried about things as they were happening? Um, no. You always felt like like it was cool.
3: Yeah, I I I liked it when they I like it when they got the staples and the, and the stitches. The, uh, the, the staples easy, the stitches could be a pain in the ass.
1: Really, why would the staples uh, hurt less than the stitches? Boom, 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 boom,
3: boom. You're
1: just done, right?
3: You're done. The stitches, novocaine and all that shit. I mean, when you, if they catch you fresh, like me, I always get it done before I take a shower. You know what I mean? Right. Sometimes i say shower up and come back. I go, no, just I'll shower, fix me now. While I'm still boom, boom. You know what I mean? Now. It's when, it's when the adrenaline wears out that shit hurts.
1: You never use super glue like some guys did, do you? No, no. What, what do you think of that? that? That's kind of a special I, not, alternative.
3: Not, they have put glue on top of the staples before, but it was a bad one.
1: Oh, I've seen guys. I was backstage at ECW once, and I forget who did it, but I saw a guy just actually super glue the cut.
3: Yeah, I've never done that, no.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure I would want to. Uh, what's the most days in a row you ever bled? Because I bet it's a lot, but still your scar tissue, as we've talked about, isn't that bad.
3: Well, I, could, I probably could tear blood every day one time, a couple times for a whole year. Really? <laughs> Why wouldn't I? <laughs> I mean, especially back in the time when I was doing those hour matches, I couldn't wait to get the blade out. <laughs> you could get the, if nothing else is going on, you could always get a with a blade.
1: Now, uh, your white hair was made for blood. Yeah. One of my first exposures to Ric Flair. A part, I think I told I, you, Rick, I used
3: to, like, swing it in the crowd.
1: <laughs> well, I told, I've told i told you many times, and certainly years ago, when I was a kid, the first time I saw you was, uh, if you had a UHF antenna out the window of my house, because I lived on the high still in Pittsburgh, you could get, I forget if it was the station, from Johnstown or Steubenville, either Johnstown, PA, or Steubenville, Ohio, but they had Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling. Mm -hmm. So I saw that stuff. It was on 1 a.m. right after WWF on WLR TV from New York. So that was my first exposure. But my other exposure was you on the cover of the After magazines, Mm -hmm. like the wrestler and Inside Wrestling. Yeah. Do do you have any of those pictures? Some of those pictures with you bleeding and the white hair were unbelievable. I, I had all of them, but once again, they're in the hands of
3: somebody that decided to keep my memory bleeding.
1: One of the wives we got to get it all back someday, Nate. What do you think?
3: Yeah, that would take a lot of (laughs) groundwork. That's true. Isn't it it funny? Last week I discussed how Tiffany stole seven robes. That didn't make the news. (laughs) Isn't that crazy?
1: Well,
3: it's... Nobody cares cares about shit that's real. They they always want to jump on the stuff that's make-believe.
1: What would make it tough to reassemble everything, you have to make too many stops. Yeah, (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It's not a matter of if Rick Flair blades on this podcast, but when. It's WrestleMania season, and Rick had a match with Mr. WrestleMania, Shawn Michaels, and they talk all about it here. Yeah, it took on such a
4: such a realism, you know,
1: that it was just and it
4: was hard enough to get caught up in it. And I and of course when I get with you know when that when that kind of stuff and that kind of emotion starts to you know to happen, see for me, I don't fight it. Because, I mean, it, to me, if you don't resist it, it helps it. The more you get into it, the more you, you know, become part of it, dude, it just works better. You know what I mean? And, that's, and uh, again, that's why, to this day, there are a bunch of dudes who think they're big, bad, rough, and tough. But every one of them will look at you and go, dude, I cried when you looked at Richie and You loved him. <laughs> you know what I mean?
3: Yeah. Oh, everybody did, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Including me. <laughs> yeah.
4: No, but. I, I knew yeah. too but that was that was the, that was the point of all of that was to tap in to yeah. something so much bigger uh you know in all of us and it, and it was it was you know everything about that match was to tap into the 15 year old boy and every person that's ever watched a wrestling match you know what I mean and, yeah. and so uh and that and again that's that's something I feel like we did and that's well that will always be one of my most you know proudest most memorable, Moments ever because it's where you know it was the culmination of you know of, of everything that you loved about old wrestling manifesting yeah. itself in a, in, a wrestle, in a wrestling match at WrestleMania.
3: If you think about it, I was 59 years old, and sometimes I look back and say I couldn't have possibly been 50. I was 59 years old in 2008, and uh, but I was still in decent shape. I mean, I certainly uh had some cosmetic issues, but I, as far as working out, I was in good shape. Not saying I was a cosmetic uh, cover of uh, muscle fitness or anything, but I could I could still I could still walk around without wearing my shirt. <laughs> so yeah, and then and, and then they walked in front of seventy eight thousand people, and I've told this story a thousand times, but I'll got to do it again. First of all, when we went around with Michael Hayes was our agent, and we you know went and talked and sat down and whatever. <laughs> He said, the first day we got there in Orlando, he said, listen, you're going to do stuff you've never done in your life. You're just going to keep your mouth shut and listen to this.
4: <laughs> he said to me, I mean, he, you know, said, he was serious. He just keep
3: your mouth shut and listen to this. I put a lot
4: of thought time into this. I didn't fly over here from Texas to have you keep me in. shit. This is what we're doing. And this. Is it. <laughs> and then I'll tell you, we're standing in a gorilla, and he's jumping around, and I'm going, hey, come to the gate. That's it. Remember what I told you,
5: just keep your mouth shut. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> I try to last day before I got in the round.
3: They think I'm not gonna do this. i Tuesday, this will be their night or Wednesday well, we got there Wednesday. He said, You just keep your mouth shut this week. Do something you've never been able to do. Just shut <laughs> up and listen. Learn this get it down this <laughs> and, and I did I just forget a couple of days when he he told me in to the ring he it's
4: an hey, A, B, C, D, dumbass. <laughs>
5: <laughs>
4: you
6: just,
4: you just missed B. <laughs> I was,
6: I was so wired for sound. Though. I mean, I just, I knew, I knew exactly. This. I've, I've
4: never been so sure of anything in my life. I do. If we do this, this is gonna be. <laughs> yeah. You know what uh, I mean? you know, and I that, that was tremendous.
3: I'll tell you something, Conrad, and I think I've told you this, Conrad, but Sean knows this too. It's like you never know. You you think, oh my God, and you're so wrapped up in the emotion. But when you know, when you walk back through that curtain and in the gorilla, and everybody is going crazy, something good has come down. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, there was a time in my life, and I'm sure Sean still feels that way now. I mean, I've had some very, I've had, and it's as I thought Sean was going to address earlier, I've had some times where I was very insecure as I got older because people kept telling me I was old, you know, it was just, and I don't have to go down the memory lane with that. But, um, um, but it made me insecure and it made me insecure about my ability, even though I could still really perform the age where it hit me so many times from so many different angles. So, um, but it didn't even, but I came through that curtain and I, I know Sean walked back there saying, Matt, this was great. You know what I mean? But I've had so many people over the years tell me it was great, but I didn't know if it was good or bad. I mean, I knew it was highly emotional. I knew the crowd was into it huge. I knew that Sean had performed like nobody else. But to, to, to walk back through that curtain, and you had to be there, Conrad, kind of to understand that the whole company was there waiting for us. Not, not just the guys, the technical people. The whole company was lined up the whole length of the hallway. Remember, Sean?
4: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just and I and I went, God. Now, I, well, I I guess I guess it all
3: worked out right. And then Sean pulls me aside. He says, "Before you get busy with your family, I want to talk to you for a minute." So I thought, you know, he's either going to tell me what I didn't do right, you know, I, you
4: know I kind of I didn't know what he was going <laughs> to say. He and he says, "Come here." We went back there, and he opened up his bag
3: and takes out two green boxes with Rolex on them. And he says, "Here, I want you to have this for me," and hence the uh, the Rolex stories. I mean unbelievable. A sixty five thousand dollar watch. Well Conrad, you know, you've seen it. Yeah. Sean so, had the same one. Sean tell uh, tell uh, us about
0: uh, that. How did it, it come about? Uh Sean did that. Oh. I didn't I didn't ask for it. <laughs> 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 I would have. No,
4: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? I mean it was something when I when I knew we you know, I knew probably I guess, you know, at least a month in advance that we were gonna have this
5: match. <laughs> and
4: and I you know, it, it, it was important to me. You know, I mean this was, this was uh you know look, all, I I've I've taken all of my WrestleMania matches seriously. Um, you know, I probably uh, take one, I thought you know, I'm 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 guilty of taking one uh majority of my wrestling matches way too serious. Then I take my, you know, raw matches too serious and then my face view matches even more serious, and then my WrestleMania matches way, uh way, way, way uh, probably unhealthily uh too serious. <laughs> you know, and so and then and then of course I took this one with Rick. Uh it was it was important to me. And so uh I you know I want I, I wanted to know how I you know how this would be special. And then of course again so we went back to me being fifteen and I just thought, you know what? what I'd like to do is us to have, you know, matching Rolexes. I wanna be the Limousine riding Rolex where we were dealing fifteen on the son of the gun just one time with him. And, uh, you know, I, I, and, and so, you know, and I wanted to get them done a certain way and, and something that would be memorable that we'd remember forever and, and engrave something on them. And, and so, uh, you know, it, 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 you know, I, I went, went, went to the, you know, this, these jewelers that uh, I know pretty well and asked them if they could look, like, this is what I'm thinking about doing and can you get this done? The Only thing they couldn't get done, that's why we have the 24 on there. I was going to do it at the Roman numerals, and there just isn't enough room, you know what I mean? Yeah, sort of, 20. Sort of, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, to, to do it that, that it would be, wet, you know, sort of legible that you could see it. Um, uh, and so you know, so you know, we uh got it done, and and like I said, I bet it was a matter of like, oh, how do I get them to them. No, I, I didn't know, obviously, when it, I just figured we'd do it when it came back. and But then, you know, you come back and, of course, everybody's back there. And, and uh, you know, and then again, it was, it was an emotional night for him. I knew it was going to be a long night for him. And so I just, you just, I need just five minutes of your time. And I wanted to, you know, express to him what not just the match meant to me, but what, you know, he's meant to me certainly professionally over the years. And then, of course, on top of that, to have grown into, you know, having a real friendship, a real life friendship with this guy that, you know, you used to just sit there and watch on
3: TV, <laughs>
0: you, know,
3: and, uh, and, uh, you know. You know, know, that that my, official, dream. You know what my official role was the last two years there, right, with with uh, with, uh, with uh, Sean.
0: No. You
4: know what it was, right? No. Or, order room service for 11.
5: <laughs>
4: oh,
3: yeah, he'd go, Nate, room service. Yeah, what do you want? I'll take a double chicken, Caesar there two shrimp cocktails, a cocktail plate. <laughs> My job was to call the hotel because he was always on last if I wasn't with him. I'd call the hotel, have room service delivered, put in his room by the time he got back.
4: Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: Time to tell you about something I'm super passionate about protecting your family. Yes, this is a life insurance ad for goliathlife.com. But to me, this is really about peace of mind. Think about insurance for a second. We all get medical and auto insurance yet. We never even know if we're going to have a need for it. Let me let you in on a little secret. You need life insurance. We're all going to die. Now, as you let that reality sink in, think about what would happen if your family stopped having your income tomorrow. If you don't have a plan for that, you need to visit GoliathLife.com. And I mean right now. And just personally, I've lost two friends in their 40s this past year and a half, and I don't even want to think about what their families would be going through had they not had life insurance. If you don't have it, get it. Protect your family. And I suggest you go to GoliathLife.com because they've made the process of getting affordable life insurance super easy. There's no hidden fees, no upsells, no hassle, hell not even a phone call. Goliath Life is life insurance in your hands, on your time. Get multiple quick quotes right now from the comfort of your own home and begin your application in a few easy clicks right now at GoliathLife.com.
1: Jeff Hardy is a big name in wrestling news right now. And back in 2016, Jeff was unsure how much more he had left in the tank due to injuries
4: that we grew up watching and, and, and were able to work with. It's just a huge honor and a dream come true.
0: And then when you actually uh, first met Rick, would that have been when you were working uh, preliminary matches or would that have been when Rick came over to the WWE in 2001 or two or whatever that was? I, I, I'm i not sure. I don't remember uh, exactly
4: when that was. I, mean, I know it's in the WWE when we first met, but I can't remember exactly. Uh, I don't know if Rick does, but I, it was... It yeah. was some were in the WWE after the Attitude Area era, uh, sometime after that, I'm not sure.
3: Yeah, I, I came I can't in earlier. Really I came in and you and uh Matt were like the biggest two of the biggest components in the company and uh um Okay. And then uh you know So that was that was during the Attitude Era, maybe? No, right, uh, right 2001. after one. Right after two Right after. Okay. Got yeah, it. Okay. and uh I knew that that right. Michael Hayes loved you guys and uh to this day, I mean, he's a huge fan of yours, as is everybody. I mean, Conrad. I, it's hard to explain, but um, and this is taking nothing away from Matt, but Jeff was over, like Sting, like Ricky Steamboat. I mean, one of those guys. I mean, he just he, he captured the imagination of not only every young kid, I mean, a young kid, middle just kids, period, and adults. But the the girls loved him. It was Jeff Hardy. Swanton, man. <laughs> and I only took yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. No oh, problem. man. Yeah. I, I was as nervous working with you if you thought you were nervous. <laughs> you know, I oh, in, my, in, in my prime, I was going off the top rope once in a while, but I was doing inverted dives. Swanton. And I swear to God, I, every time I see Jeff or I see Beth, I say, how is he holding up? You never slow down, man. You just keep going. And now you got a broken leg from playing around in your front yard on a motorcycle, right?
4: Yeah, yeah. And you you were doing those quantons all those years before. I had a little different style than mine. But for all those years, you were off that top turn muscle, man. Doing basically the same thing. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I uh, broke my leg April 28th on my dirt bike uh, and my track here that I designed. I would made uh, three jumps, probably two two and a half years ago, and I've been terrified of them. Um, But uh, I was wrestling good when Matt and I won the TNA World Tag Team Titles. I I feel like I was wrestling the best I've ever wrestled in my entire life. And, you know, I was also riding good because during my whole career, I've always rode, you know, dirt bikes, motocross in my spare time. And I finally built up the nerve to to do one of them, and it went great. I made it. I waited about a month before I attempted the next one, and, and again, it was terrifying, but I I got over that fear and went for it, and I made it. It was great, but that third one, man, the same kind of thing. I was afraid that the fear got the best of me because I could have hit it a little faster, but I came up short, and it was horrible. I mean, I just, I, I cased the landing so bad, and I just remember waking up on the ground and in terrible pain. I couldn't breathe, and for the first time in my life, I could not get back up, and my buddy was out there filming it. And I, I said, "Yeah, we got to call 911. I got to, you know, I got to go to the hospital." So I, it, I, at first, I thought I broke both legs. It felt so intense, but um, yeah, it, luckily it was just my right leg. And now the problem is, after four to five months of uh, dealing with that, my knee was swollen for so long, so I finally went back to the doctor that did my surgery. And I said, something's going on with my knee, man. You can really see it now that the swelling's starting to go down, and it just moves like it's so unstable. And he said, oh, wow, you you must have a torn ACL. I must have missed that because I was just focusing on your fixing your tibia. So then I go in for MRI, get the MRI, come back to that same doctor. He says, wow, this is amazing. Your ACL is not torn, uh, but we need to remove 20% of your meniscus. And I was going, like, what? Something strange is going on there. Wow. So I went to it. And knee specialist for second opinion. Thank God, because when I went to him, they totally misread my MRI. My TCL is destroyed, and that's what the problem is. That's why I have no stability in my knee. It, it's amazing I can walk as good as I can, and I actually got a pretty good brace. It feels to stabilize it pretty good. I, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna try to like wrestle with it, and see how it goes. But I mean, I'm I'm definitely looking at a, a surgery to go in there and and uh, surgically repair it because. For me to ever be back to you know, because there's so many things I couldn't do now, as far as landing on my knees, I, especially the way I wrestle. And I mean, it would, I would have to totally modify my style, which I'm I'm going to anyway. But long story short, uh, they got to go in there and take out that rod that they put in my tibia to, to fix it and drill another hole through the tibia to fix the PTL, oh. And then six to nine months, I'll hopefully be uh, 100% again. Well, well, yeah, other than that, I'm doing okay.
1: All right, Rick,
0: now it's time to talk about our very favorite sponsor here on Woo Nation. It's Casper Mattress. And, of course, we like talking about Casper Mattress because if anybody is a mattress expert, it's Rick Flair. Am I
3: right? A limousine-riding, jet-flying mattress expert.
0: <laughs> and why do you need to know about Casper? Well, because they're the online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. See, the mattress industry has inherently forced customers into paying notoriously high markups, But Casper is revolutionizing the industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and just passing that savings directly on to you, the consumer. So here's what you need to know about Casper. These mattresses have been obsessively engineered at a shockingly fair price. They've got just the right sink, just the right bounce, and they do this by combining two technologies, both latex foam and memory foam, and they're going to come together for brighter nights
3: and better days. Isn't that right, Rick? Brighter nights, longer nights, and for sure, brighter days. Come on. Risk-free trial and a return policy
0: all in place for you at Casper as well. And here's what they're going to recommend you do. Try sleeping on a Casper for 100 days with free delivery and painless returns. Here's what we're talking about. These mattresses are made right here in America, and they're at an outstanding price. Only 500 bucks for a twin-size mattress. Only 950 for a king-size
3: mattress. When you compare that to the industry And Conrad, after, and Conrad I, I do not mean to interrupt you. Don't forget that. How's that song go? About a little afternoon delight on a Casper? Holy cow, <laughs> man. It works.
0: And you can do it right now and get a great deal. All you've got to do, just for listening to Woo Nation, is go to Casper.com forward slash Flare. How do you spell Flare, Rick? F L A I R. And when you get there, you're going to get an extra 50 bucks off. So it's already a great price. But just for listening to our show here, Woo Nation, Get an extra 50 bucks off, just go to casper.com forward slash flare. And when you get there, you're going to enter what promo code, Rick?
3: F L A I R.
0: Woo! Casper.com forward slash flare. Don't forget the promo code,
3: Flair.
1: Woo!
3: Yeah, well, we, you know, I only keep up with you through what I hear from people. I mean, you know, I, I talk to you guys when I see you. I've seen you, I guess, last time I saw you was in Charleston. Um, you and Beth were there with Matt. Um, at a signing we had with uh, Perkins, Steve Perkins, and uh, yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, and we talked a little bit there. But um, gosh, um, was it was so great seeing you. I mean, not only did you, I I think you're one of these guys that's transcended, uh, the business in terms of, you know, no, nobody did that, and then Ed, you you and Matt were doing it. Then along came Edge, and you know, I mean, it was just phenomenal, and then you know it, i think it got to the point where the they raised the bar so high you guys did uh in terms of what you guys were doing on those ladder matches and stuff and then uh i think the company kind of backed off for a while because it's the worst it's the worst injury pay-per-view of the year and this year they only came right. out with one guy getting hurt so and even that wasn't too bad but what you guys have put yourself through and i mean to this day that the two greatest bumps I've ever seen obviously fully going off the cage onto the table, but they play that spot of edge spearing you in midair twelve feet there all the time'm going not a chance, nature boy, not a chance <laughs> and then 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 of course, they put me in a couple of those damn ladder matches, one with edge, and then one with your brother. And I looked around and I, I I said I could I could take the suplex off the top of the ladder that was no problem I just have no offense, and so I looked around yep. and then that crew we were in Chicago, and I walked up to Matt I said Matt, here's the deal, I'm gonna take that suplex off the top rope, but I'm only taking it from you, Val. So all these <laughs> other guys standing around <laughs> that are thinking about giving me that suplex that Vince wants me to take. <laughs> the only one tells oh, me. And Matt said, I won't forget you. So in other words, I'm climbing up the top of the ladder, and it's not you climb up on the other side, Matt. I'm climbing down. I don't care what they say when I go backstage. <laughs> so sure that's enough, so Matt, Matt gave one, it man. to me. We made it. But, I mean, those damn 12-foot ladders taking a suplex off the top, when I took it from Edge, it, yeah, that's huge. it doesn't hurt your body. But for me, like I've got that inner ear thing, it knocks my inner that thing on my inner ear out, right? And uh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And then I made the mistake of telling Edge we had that one in Raleigh, uh, my first uh ladder match. And uh, I told Edge, I said, I can't do anything, but I can take the bumps. I said, What can we do that'd be really be really cool that you've never done? He said, Well, I could put you on a table and jump off the top of the ladder, you know, it's 12 feet high. He said, I'd be pretty cool. I said, Well, I, I can go, like, we can do that. Well, I had no idea what I signed up for there, so he, he put oh, me on top of the table, I'd cut myself. So I couldn't see anywhere. I was, I was covered in blood, which always, uh, that that helps conceal my weakness in the ring in terms of <laughs> in terms of ability. I can always bleed. <laughs> and he jumped off that thing on top of me, and the table broke like nothing. But you Damn. forgot, that he weighed 240 pounds, and you, you bottom oh, yeah. out. No matter what happens, you're bottoming out yeah. with him on top of you. And I went, holy Christ, what have I done to myself? I was biting my fingers, yeah. pinching my thumbs. <laughs> But I was fine. From that high from that high, that table can go, man. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, well that wow. that was my claim to fame. And <laughs> that with Edge and Edge, can you just push the ladder over? I said, Yeah, I guess I can do that. Put it in the right place though. <laughs> so Edge <laughs> Edge basically worked the ladder match with himself. <laughs> but I would just yeah. a component with a blade. <laughs>
4: Even those 12-foot ladders, I mean, people, that they're, they're so big. And the base is so wide. When you do like Duplex, for example, man, you're, you're landing pretty close to the ropes, you know, the hardest part of the ring. Uh, so, I mean, it's crazy. And then when you talk about 14-foot tall ladders, I mean, then you're really getting up there. I mean, they do look yeah. like 20-foot ladders. But it, if you ever go and actually look at a 20-foot ladder, which I have before, it, the base, when it, with it being open, it would probably be almost as wide as the ring. They are huge. But but fourteen feet feels like twenty feet. Have you been off.
3: Have you been on a fourteen foot ladder? That's the highest one yet. Yeah. But oh, the high one I found but, listen, they're not yeah. getting twelve feet with my limit, and I was hoping they'd move a, put a eight foot one in just for me, and and, and, <laughs> and, and maybe the people wouldn't notice. <laughs>
4: Yeah, when I when I wrestled Matt at uh, with the WrestleMania ones, Matt and I wrestled, but we did uh, I did the leapfrog off I believe it was off a of twelve uh over a fourteen. So I was, you know, posting off a of fourteen and that was insane and, and yeah, oh my god, it hurt so much. But uh yeah, that was the biggest leapfrog leg drop I've done it those fourteen foot ladder are huge and I mean Speaking of injuries, you know, like, uh, I
3: don't know I if Christian, uh, he, he's been injured quite a bit. Do you know anything about that? Oh, yeah. Well, he's, he's got the con- con- concussion issue going on. I think, I think he's I, I, I think he's pretty much uh, uh, finished up in terms of ever wrestling again, uh, you know, as is Edge wow. because of the neck issue. So, yeah, you know,
4: the Edge and, and Matt, even you know, Matt had a few surgery, but he is he is great now he's wrestling he's doing I think he's better than ever man and, but, but why I bring that up is because me I've been so lucky this is my although it was outside the ring like I got hurt this is my first serious injury that I'm dealing with so now I I mean I, I realize how much I love wrestling you know because I got to go to these shows and do these appearances and not being able to be a part of it just kills me and so I, I, I'm getting a taste of what you know, Matt going through Adam with the surgeries and all that stuff. I, I realize what that fight like now and it, it does, it hurt, you know. And uh, I just I just hope I can get back to normal.
3: Oh, you will. You know, the thing about you you know, think about you, Jeff, is you guys you know, you've all you've always stayed very fit, you know, you've never had a weight issue and that and that means a lot when you're healing. I mean, um you cause God, you have put your body through a lot. I mean, it's you know you take just five years of doing those ladder matches say once a month or once every three months you know, i mean or six years how many years you did it i mean that was a lot i mean i just did two and it was later in my later in my career i was in my 50s but still my body held up does that make sense even when i wrestled you i was like 55 years old right but what, what, what was i thinking right, yeah. what was... <laughs> why
4: <laughs> oh my gosh i remember my ankle was Michael was really bad that night. That's the thing I remember about that match. We when I was I was uh, struggling with that group. But yeah, that's still so cool to say that I wrestled Ric Flair. Man, I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, you
3: wrestled Ric Flair half of Ric Flair. <laughs> okay, <laughs> the, 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 the better half was around 1989. <laughs> but I sure had fun doing it. Um, well, tell me. Um, so you. Um, I'm trying to. Put all this together, you have to have surgery again now before you can even start the healing process. Yeah, most likely, I'm going to try to wrestle with this brace on in
4: January. Um, and I, I think I'm going to see what it feels like, but I mean, I'm, I'm kind of scared, honestly, to see what it. But I don't want to hurt it worse, you know. And and I tried physical therapy for for a month, and the physical therapist and me agreed it was like next. There was several things I couldn't even do. My right leg like a week, and um, and he said, yeah, you could. The way you fly around, especially, and even my chiropractor, he, he said it a long time ago. Oh, so you can have, have that that repaired, you know. So, um, but I mean, I, I'm gonna give it a shot. I think I'm gonna try maybe just like a a few easy matches and just see how it feels. I'm just gonna have to, you know avoid landing on my knees and maybe not doing as many uh, moves as I normally do and just see how it goes. But ultimately, I mean, i I'm gonna end up having the surgery uh, sometime early next
3: year, and uh, sadly, I'll, I'll probably be missing most of 2016. Yeah, well, you know, um, listen, I mean here's the deal. I was with you when I first came, um when I first came to TNA, you were there, right? And you showed me your royalty yeah. check that just came from WWE and you've been gone for two years. I don't feel sorry for you, okay? <laughs> oh <are> you're right. <laughs> you, oh yeah, man, oh, yeah Conrad, Conrad, quick. this guy this guy got some royalty checks on the WWE, but he's like number two of all time. Not trying to give anything away, Jeff, but I saw it and I went, You gotta be kidding me, man. Let's go cash that and go out tonight. <laughs> Cause Jeff Hardy can drink. I got news for you. Not anymore where Beth's got kind of him on a short lease, but Jeff Hardy can roll, man. We were in Europe one time drinking jack and I actually caught Jeff throwing the jack over his shoulder. <laughs> well <done>.
4: Remember that? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah
3: right. I remember. I was seeing triple, I believe. Oh God! <laughs> the the greatest story of all time is the night that Jeff and Matt Hardy carried Shawn Michaels to his room. <laughs> I finally cracked Shawn, and he came down to the bar. Remember Shane McMahon was there, Matt uh, Jeff?
4: Yeah, yeah. That was, Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, he told that story. Uh, little, it wasn't long ago he told that story. What a what a great story, man!
3: That was awesome. Yeah, my so God, That was awesome. Yeah, Shawn was to keep telling me what when. If I asked him if I was going to grow up instead of going back on the bus and drinking with you guys, is that not, not growing up anytime soon? So the first day it went by, and then he said, "Oh, okay, I'll have a half a course late." Well, one became two, two became three, three became four, and then we walk in the hotel one night, and I never go to catering, man. I just you know, I'm going right to the bar, as you know. Sorry, I'll, I'll admit yeah, that. But... We were in that great hotel. I can't remember. And uh, he said, Damn it, I'm just going to do this one time just because you're making me so damn mad. So he, I left you guys. I saw him the next day. And the word was out that the hardy boy carried Shawn Michaels to his room. And that is legend. <laughs> and he'll never oh, live yeah. that down. Some of the He's the best. Oh, he's tremendous, uh, man. What a great guy. Boy, he, he, he's just. Look, he he just bought himself a 500 acre ranch in the middle of nowhere. He's just out there hiding from everybody. <laughs> he, wow, he's on, he's on. I don't blame him, man. That's all. Awesome. He's on the Ponderosa and Abilene. <laughs> oh my God! Somebody, uh, does
4: he have a show too on, on some channel? Like I don't know, if it's a hunting show
3: or? Yeah, he sure does. Uh, yeah, he's doing real well. Yes. Yeah, and he's got. I'm He's got both the kids there, and they're all growing up. Boy, his his son is like six foot two now. It's unbelievable, Cameron. Oh my like, gosh! Yeah. Wow. And, and uh, they're out there, and uh, they love it. I mean, he loves the privacy. He just he sold that big place he had in San Antonio, and moved out there. And he just uh, kind of like Austin. He he just loves to hunt and fish. And he, he's got you know this big private gate. It's like driving in. It's kind of like going into Conrad's house. You know, it's like it's a process. <laughs> I mean okay yeah when you see when you see the Conradison Jeff the 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 Conradison is what we call uh, Conrad's home it's bigger it's it's bigger in square footage than the whole city of Huntsville Alabama oh my god oh my goodness and who drives a three hundred and forty seven thousand dollar Rolls-Royce around Huntsville Alabama half the town doesn't even know what kind of car it is okay
5: so, so Jim, let's talk a little <laughs> wrestling.
0: Uh, let's get off. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm curious, you know, the Dudley boys have recently come back and you guys had a lot of magic matches with the TLCs back in the day that people still talk about. And were really trendsetters, but they're getting kind of one last run in the WWE. What's the possibility of the Hardy boys having a, a run like the Dudleys are right now? Well, I think there's a huge uh, possibility
4: down the road. Um, not sure when, but I think Matt and myself would, would uh, love to end our careers in the WWE, and it'd be super, you know, double great to, to be able to have a few more good ones with the, uh, the Dudley Boys um, for sure. And I don't watch it, uh, I've seen them on there a few times, I watch it every now and then. But even like the TFC, which I'm sure was amazing. Like, and one of the, I'll be honest, one of the main reasons that I don't watch those shows is because I, I you know, the biggest love of me and the biggest part of me wants to be in the match and it kind of like that's that's why i don't watch them uh, because I, I want to be a part of it uh so i kind of stay away from watching it but as far as us returning and having uh some more matches with them it all depends on how long they're going to be there and um and how long it takes us to get there i mean but definitely it's, it's a possibility I mean, i'm just not sure when right now everything with me matt's ready together he could do anything now but uh everything depends on my need right now as far as my future
5: yeah, so what's uh, your
0: what's your current status with TNA right now? I know they're moving over to a new television channel, and I know that you're going to be trying to work on rehabbing the knee this next year. But what do you think the future looks like with you and TNA?
4: Well, I'm in my la- I'll be in my last year whenever I'm able to uh, wrestle. I'll be in my last year with TNA, um, so and then I can decide like what I want to do uh, sure. from there. But I got to, Yeah, so it's kind of uh, you know uh, depending on how things go, uh, we're going to do some tapings. Um, and, and the first of January, and, and depending on that, how that goes, I mean, uh, it's kind of when I'm gonna decide, to, uh, whether I get through with surgery or try to work a while, uh, and avoid surgery with the brace, um, it's coming up in the air, but yeah, I, I will be in my uh,
3: last year with PNA. Well, I am in my last year with PNA after February 28th. So. Well, it's nice to know that you've had a success both places, but I mean, there's no way in the world that. Matt and Jeff Hardy aren't in the Hall of Fame of the WWE someday. So I'm Sure. I I I would bet my life that you guys end up there for a couple of years before before it's uh, before you guys decide to wrap it up.
1: Just 2 weeks ago, Rick Flair turned 73. Wow. I asked him how his cardio is. Before that, Rick told us how good Bill Goldberg's cardio is.
3: What I meant, I meant when I said I said as I, I, my advice to him was as long as you're under contract, be prepared for him to call you, which they have. You know, I, I won't give you an example, but Vince called him a week before he wanted to wrestle. Well, he hadn't worked, he hadn't trained to wrestle. He's always working out, but the difference cardio wise yep. between does that make sense. Oh, for sure. Yeah, a bit you, you've got to get that cardio in because man, in the ring, the cardio is everything. I've seen a break guys, including myself, when I ran out of gas when I was got older, I would have a hard, harder time getting my heart rate up. And at the first until I like, I could do 300 squats. My heart rate would only go up to like, let's say 80, as opposed to 150. Where it's, so it was hard getting you in your second wind sometimes. I mean, I would blow up terrible when I was younger, it was a non-issue. But once you start doing it in a more sporadic period of time, in, in, then, then it gets the best you be here and you think to yourself, man, You know, I mean, you spend more time thinking about, are you going to be able to make it through it? Like I did with Sean at WrestleMania 24, when I know I'm in the best shape I could possibly be in at 59, which I was in great shape. I did shit that people will never be able to do it when they're 59 in in preparation for it, cardio-wise. Yeah, I was a a cosmetic nightmare but my cardio was doing some ridiculous stuff that people that know me and have trained with me have seen me do. But when you second guess yourself on just being able to catch your breath, you forget about the content of the match, and it's it's a terrible uh, it, loss loss of um. God, what's the word? L- when you lose your confidence and you get sidetracked thinking about other things, you're never going to be the performer you were. And, well, and whether we, they... and what and, what one of, one of being if you're worried about getting hurt, which i never worried about that but not worried about blowing up and not being who I was 20 years before, which was a lot of pressure to put on myself. When you lose that little bit of confidence, it can change your whole mindset and your whole game plan around. And unless you've been a wrestler, you shouldn't even be able to comment on it. So anybody that listens out here that's got a podcast, whether it hasn't been in the ring and hasn't bounced around or wrestled an hour, done anything. They shouldn't be able to even comment on what it's like to be in that position, because it's horrifying. It's, it's like I'll give it something you'll relate to. Chris Simon jumped on Bob Probert at the end of a shift. It made Chris Simon famous, right?
1: Oh, it did. But, but like you said, Proby was
3: at the end of a shift, it- and it was a shift. Well, a, a lot, but your regular hockey fan doesn't know what that means. That means he'd been out there for two minutes, was completely blowing up. And Chris Simon jumped on Proby, right? So, oh, you knew what he was doing? Yeah, but, but if you and I, as hockey fans, know it. The regular fan watching goes, Oh, Chris Simon beat the shit out of Bob Probert. Well, I don't think so. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, so, no, when, I... you know, so, when I see a guy in the ring, you never you know never, whether, he, whether he's struggling with what we're worried about getting hurt, whether he's struggling with trying to keep up, whether he's blown up. Unless you've been in it, it's really hard to understand and make people understand what it's like. Uh, Oral guy, you know, can you imagine these receivers running these 80 yard routes and coming back in the huddle and running out 80 yards again? I mean, it's conditioning's a big deal, sports.
1: Well, getting back to Bill, I one thing I loved about Bill's run in WCW was it showed how simple wrestling could be. He had the look, he had short matches, he had the winning streak, and the story. It wasn't much more complicated than that, was it?
3: No, exactly, exactly. And I was, I think I was about, in that 160, I was probably nine of them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Who was the first one? Who was the first guy you beat? I can't remember. Bill DeMott, you Morris.
3: Oh, that's right. Uh, how do you know that?
1: I i saw it online somewhere. Uh, i uh, It's funny because uh, that was one of Terry Taylor's terrible punny names. Like, you know, he, he wanted us to pronounce it humorous. Yes. Yeah. Because he was the laughing man. I go, no, his name's. You, Morris.
3: Yeah. The last thing I the last thing I saw in online last week was six reasons why Ric Flair is not the GOAT and why Chris Jericho is.
1: <laughs> well, I don't think that's accurate to you. <laughs> no, absolutely Jericho's not. Jericho's good. You got to give him credit. I
3: didn't say it wasn't good. I, I didn't say it wasn't good. I'm saying at 72, people are still writing articles about me. When they're writing articles about Chris Jericho when he's 72, show me one. <laughs> Now, uh, I must have impressed somebody.
1: <laughs> well, you impressed me. God knows. Look, here we are. <laughs> now, one thing about Bill that was great, and I know you appreciate this. I, when I was an announcer, I liked calling Bill's matches. Yes. Because you could call them like a shoot. He was mm-hmm. so real. There was nothing. It still, was. Not, Mark, it was real with him. Well, you know what uh, I mean. Yeah. Well, no.
3: Bill, didn't. he only knew one thing. Boom. Power jab. Hammer. I used to go. He and he and Lesnar both. I'm like, please be careful.
1: <laughs> well, was Bill safe? Because you know, Bill was known for giving Bret Hart that kick in the head, which you know contributed to Bret not wrestling anymore. How safe was Bill to work with?
3: Um. Well, to me, he was. To me, he was very safe. I've been kicked in the head by him too. I don't. I don't know whether. You know, it, it, everybody's going to get kicked or hit in the head. So. What may have affected Brett, unfortunately, probably it did not affect me. But we all get kicked in the head. Are you kidding, me, Mark? We get kicked in the head. We get our ribs. We get you know a cracked vertebrae, cracked ribs. It's wrestling's a very physical, tough sport, and that you know, and what people, the people that don't understand that, um, um. It's it's just it's it's ridiculous because no matter whether it's choreographed or not, these kids put their bodies on the line every day, and when you do it six to seven days a week, sometimes now for these guys four days a week at least, it, you're putting your body out there. It's hard, and you've got to keep up with it. You know, now um, two
1: things that an, another thing that was great about Bill was his entrance and his music. I oh, thought that for was sure. How sure. much does that mean to a performer, and how much did it mean to Bill? Um, well, I can talk. Uh, number one,
3: Bill Bill's look was so awesome. At uh, just at the right time. He came out. He was different than everybody. Um, but his music, his entrance, and then, but the, they were conditioned, I, I call it conditioned. The fans were conditioned to know they were going to see something that was action packed with Bill, whether it was. Ten seconds or ten minutes, something big was going to happen. That means I got to order Course Light too. Holy shit! Okay, you
1: know what? I got to tell you, I mean, Course Light's my brand, and they're a sponsor. But when we got stuck in in St. Louis with with Mick Ultra, yeah, it wasn't it was it never... right? Yeah, no, it's good. It's good.
3: I do well, Mick Ultra from five to eight, then I go to the red wine from eight to ten.
1: I mean, you you have your discipline, and I respect <laughs> that, but but. <laughs> The thing about, I, I got to tell you, I always get heat from some of the bars here in Pittsburgh because I don't, I, I'm not a craft beer guy. You, you've you had people try to push that on you, I guess. A- absolutely. To me, the thing with beer is I want to get like five down my neck in 20 minutes.
3: To me, with Ultra, they don't have it in a bar and I tell them I want it, they go buy it while I'm sitting there. <laughs> uh,
1: uh, here, here's a great McUltra story. Who wants to lose Rick Blair as a customer? <laughs> uh, my, my, my good friend, uh, Mark Bulger, remember the Rams quarterback? Sure. I went to his wedding in Las Vegas. It was it was quite the soiree at the Bellagio. And uh, all the Bulgers, the whole family, they drink McUltra. Yeah. And they don't slow down. And all their friends drink McUltra. And everybody yeah. there drank McUltra. So in the middle of the reception, the guy in charge of food and beverage comes over to, to Mark's dad, Jim, who played quarterback for Notre Dame. And he goes, Mr. Bulger, uh, we don't have any McUltra left. And Jim goes, well, just, you know, go down to the next bar, or go, you know, over there and get it. And he goes, no, you don't understand. We've done that. You have drunk all the McUltra in the Bellagio Casino. Well,
3: I got one better than that. Go ahead. Megan's wedding. You were at it. I was at it. Minneapolis. Dolan Perrion was at a premium. I told the guy, the girl that that orchestrated her wedding, to drive around Minneapolis and buy 30 bottles of Dolan Perrion. She said it's going to cost a lot. I said, no problem. I got the bill a month after the wedding. What do you think 30 bottles of Galbrain cost me in Minneapolis at the wedding? 30 extra ones.
1: I want to say seven grand. Nine. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That was a great wedding.
3: Well, when you get married and and, uh, Nature Boy's your dad, it's going to be big time.
1: (laughs) No question. I remember. Remember, I knew the kid. That was Megan's first husband. He was the goalie. Yeah, and you could tell he just wasn't sure what he had got himself into at that wedding. Well, wow. <laughs> just with all the miscreants and all the Dom Perignon, as, yeah. as they say. Uh, no, uh seriously, and,
3: and, and now she's driving a Bentley SUV. What did that tell you?
1: <laughs> that Bentley makes SUVs.
3: Yeah, there are very few of them, but she got one. All I like. I'm a Conrad. <laughs>
1: Boy, Conrad's got even more friggin' money than I thought.
3: Oh yeah, yeah. For God's sakes, she drove to Miami to get it. She would, she couldn't wait for it to be delivered. <laughs>
1: but I, I got my like, I said
3: to you're me. gonna stop in Tampa and see your dad. Dad don't have time.
1: <laughs> well, now hold it. We got to talk about. You have that one car I love too. We've never talked about that on the show. What, what model is that?
3: It's a '63 Series AMG package Mercedes. They only made 180 of.
1: I'll tell you, everybody out there, if you get a chance to ride in one of these things, we, we cruised around uh, Atlanta.
3: 800 horsepower.
1: We cruised around Atlanta in that thing. It was unbelievable. And not only that Nate, for a, for a car like that, a sporty car, a fat guy can fit into it. It's, it's the daily double. Well, I've lost weight. I'm talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I've lost weight as well. No, no, no.
3: you would you say some... what, film we're having today? We are having fun. We here. haven't even knocked anybody.
1: A little bit. And at the end there, Ric Flair tells one of my favorite Michelob Ultra stories. He's got a lot of stories about beer. That'll do it this week. For Ric Flair, I'm Mark Madden, and this has been Ric Flair, Woo Nation Uncensored. Woo!